0: What's up, y'all? Kofi Kingston here, and I would love to have a drink with wrestling on the rocks, depending on what that drink is, preferably non-alcoholic. You know? How's it going? How you James?
1: Soda. I would love to have a drink with wrestling on the rocks.
0: Maple syrup.
1: I will never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks.
0: Welcome to the dive bar of the IWC. Welcome to Wrestling on the Rocks, episode one. Hold on, we're doing this is episode one, Wrestling on the Rocks. I'm at Raff Marsh. We're at WTR. The show with me today. We got Bishop. How's it going, Bishop?
2: What's up, dude? at Podcast on Twitter, twhpodcast.com. Find me. I'm out there. But more
0: importantly, I'm right here. Yeah. Yeah. New new platform. Who dis? (laughs) Streaming through a different setup. So we got a new kind of look. I don't know how this chat's going to work. Be clicking and stuff. I don't know. Should be good. It's only episode one. How bad can it go? Um,
2: not as bad as some of the other episode ones that I've been a part of. <laughs>
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. Hey man, uh, what's in your glass? What are you drinking?
2: Uh just coffee today. No tequila, just coffee. Uh, getting it going. Shouts to Blue Boy in the chat already. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, just coffee.
0: I if I, oh, I can chat through there too. Huh? <laughs> All right. I think we're on live uh, on uh, Twitter now, too, if I'm being honest. Nice. I was able to get us on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube all at the same time, and down the road, i will probably end up streaming on Facebook for the hell of it. Why not? Let's put it Why out not? there, you know? Fucking it's right. only episode one. <laughs> you know what I do like about this setup, though? Uh, because you've been on a number of times. This is a, yes. probably the first time you got to hear all the music on the way in, right? Uh yeah, I mean I listen on podcast
2: form so. Yeah, I've... But I was jamming. I was jamming instead of just
0: sitting here twiddling my thumbs. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Cuz it's funny, sometimes I'll even see the, the the people sitting in the Zoom chat waiting. Right. Kind of like <sighs> having no idea when it's over. <laughs> just waiting for me to just say something that's the beginning of the show. And I'm all like, you can just see the look on their faces. "Uh They get startled, (laughs) and I'm all like, "Uh So, (laughs) I don't know. It's cool. I like it, because I jam out, and I get all in the mood for the show when I'm hearing the music. Right. It gets me all hyped up. And then I get into the room, and usually my energy is depleted from dancing so hard during the intro. (laughs) And secondly, whoever I'm doing the show with is completely caught off guard and not ready at all. So. Hopefully a little of that changes. Uh, we'll let's see. see. You said you had coffee. I have coffee, yeah. What do you got? I got coffee. I got coffee with a bunch of shit in it, dude. With my keto stuff, I found pumpkin keto instant coffee, which I like to add into my regular coffee to give it a boost nice. and a flavoring. I added super co- super coffee creamer into it, which adds a whole bunch of keto like MCT stuff. I added a little bit of sh- sugar-free pumpkin spice syrup into it, because I really like pumpkin. And I added a scoop of collagen, chocolate collagen, which is apparently very important for the keto diet, according <laughs> to the article that told me that I should buy it. So, Well, then I'll be full, fully transparent here.
2: I put a scoop of keto protein powder in my coffee. that's um, yeah, yeah. a peanut butter protein powder from Quest. I put that in my coffee. So, how nice. about that? We're both fucking around on some shit today with no tequila, no. though.
0: No tequila. I did bring, just in case, uh, I brought a white claw. Oh, you can see the orange sticker. It was on sale.
2: <laughs> you have clearance. You have, have pumpkin flavored coffee and a
0: white claw. And a white claw.
2: So, you're now a middle aged white woman. Yeah.
0: Clearance white claw. It was <laughs> a $1 can. They were trying to get rid of it. I don't know if it was spoiled or if they had to. There's every possibility that somebody was stealing it. They got jumped and brought it back. And said, so, well, now we can't sell it full price. It's been stolen once. I don't know. But, yeah. I'm a basic bitch, man. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: Discount White Claw. It's amazing.
0: Discount White Claw. Pumpkin on pumpkin on pumpkin in my coffee. You mean, what I uh, mean? Yeah. What flavor White Claw is it? This one's black cherry. It was the first one in the door. I think I got black cherry and mango. I think I prefer the mango. Uh, it sounds so, about right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. That would be on brand.
0: <laughs> that's the one. The mango is the it's at. Yeah.
2: Oh man, that's funny. but
0: it's good. I'm a basic bitch. Uh, I don't know if you've been checking it out. We'll talk about it up top here a little bit. Uh, Paving the way podcast five minute Mondays with with Medusa. This month we get into a lot of Thanksgiving stuff, and she finds out I'm a basic bitch and calls me such over and over again. So you're gonna like that bit, I think.
2: Nice, nice. Yeah. I'll be tuning in. Mm-hmm. Is that are, is um is that on audio form as well?
0: Audio. Uh, I'm pushing the video a lot, to be honest. The YouTube we're getting we're real close to monetizing. We just need, we need more people to watch it, so I'm trying to drive more okay. traffic there. Gotcha. Um, and the good news with that is keep your eye out on her YouTube. I think I've convinced her to talk wrestling and I think I've convinced her to do it in a very specific YouTube exclusive way. So nice. we'll see. She's been avoiding the topic for anybody who's been paying attention. Uh, Cause she doesn't want to be seen that way. It's strictly just a wrestling personality. She there's so much more to her and about her and she wants to be who she is and not be, Reined in by one particular sect of her career it may have been the longest part of her career in her life but there's so much more to her so she's been so she really kind of like outlined in november that we're going to be really staying away from wrestling she brought out a gong so anytime i tried to bring it up she's gonging me um but on episode
2: one she gonged herself because she brought up wrestling before you did
0: Good call. So that's how aware she is of it and and where she's at with it. But at the same time, um, I think we've figured out a way where we can uh, grow both audiences equally. She's created this whole community on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Medusa rocks. Um, and they know that wrestling's just a part of her and not everything about her. So she's built a whole community about the rest of her life, her monster trucks, the horror film stuff. She's, really into holidays and loves talking about all the holiday stuff. Um, but I mean, there's she talks of journaling, yoga, all this stuff, right? But I think we found a way that we can grow both audiences. So I would say, stay tuned to it. Find it on YouTube, youtube.com slash queen of carnage. Give it the old subscribe. So you can be aware as those things are coming out. Uh, you can be on board for whatever you want.
2: Fantastic.
0: Oh man. Uh, also, uh, just a quick shout-out to you, Pro Wrestling Spotlight with John Arezzi. I've been doing that with him for a few weeks now. A couple months, probably. Actually, nothing about it. But it's been really fun. It's been really cool. Uh, I pop in in the beginning, pop in at the end. If they have any kind of... Uh, if it's John Arezzi and Bob Smith. If you don't know Bob Smith, he worked with uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated for a very long time. Uh, the creator of the 500 list. Um, if you've ever heard of the PWI 500 list, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody ever mention it online ever for any particular reason. Every uh, once in a while. Every once in a while. <laughs> uh but he created it. And the first several years it was actually just him. It was just him putting together a list. He had a criteria he kept to and um so he was really involved in the wrestling industry and journalism before that, sports journalism. Uh so it's really fascinating to talk to him, especially from the the degree that his career really launched when he was doing a piece on Mike Tyson. And because of his stuff he was doing in the legitimate sports world with a journalism degree, that's why PWI wanted him over. Like It used to be, and at that time when he came on, only actual journalists, and I mean that with all due respect to the fake journalists, if you didn't have a journalism degree and you didn't have already a sports background and you weren't already published, you weren't getting into wrestling news. You just weren't. That was part of their criteria to bring someone in. And I think that part of it was probably to protect kayfabe, right? If you want to present wrestling as legitimate, knowing it's a work, how do you not present it as a work? You find somebody who's already presented it, presented legitimate sports, and say, we'll just do that now with this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at the time it was in both their interests, right? Kayfabe was in the interest of the newsletters, of the magazines. Some of those magazines were Kayfabe magazines. Oh right. my God, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, they saw each other in a in a gas station and they came to blows. And before they got out of there before the cops were called, you know what I mean? Like it's all this. I don't think you shit. want to it's say that happened.
2: at a gas station. I don't think you want to say they came to blows at a gas station.
0: Well, they didn't blow to come. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. It's not Tuesday either. <laughs> it's
2: not Tuesday. But- well, <laughs> Just dicey stuff happens in gas station bathrooms. That's all I'm saying.
0: Well, back in the day, who knows? That's Wasn't what I'm reported, saying. So,
2: but <laughs> and if it was Ricky Steamboat, or Ric Flair, we're talking the '80s now. Like, I mean, yeah. '80s gas stations—you gotta be careful. And <laughs> probably the best
0: gas stations, back then. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but it's been really cool to kind of like pick both their brains. They they re listening to old episodes of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, and uh, and they basically fuck, fucking '92. And then they listen through it and then I pull some clips and they talk about what was happening in the world then and what was going on and what made this particularly interesting or not. It's really fascinating when you think about it. When you think about wrestling podcasts, people always go like, oh, the Podfather, uh, Conrad right now, Podfather, original Podfather was Colt Cabana. And where would we be wrestling podcast wise if we didn't have these people? I would venture to say, where would they even be without John Arezzi? Hosting a radio show, a wrestling show in his college days, eventually gets onto an actual radio station and does that for years. I mean, Dave Meltzer got a lot of his stuff out through resi He was doing his newsletter for sure, but he right. was constantly on resi show too, which gave Meltzer a voice now too. And yeah, it's pretty cool. It's cool to think about the influences. You know what? And also, John Arezi. He's the one who got Vince Russo into wrestling. Vince Russo was a videotape guy, a video store owner. John Arezzi was being sponsored by him and brings him in. They start working together. Right, a but lot you're, you're listing all these things. What did Arezzi do
2: good for wrestling?
0: I didn't say he did anything <laughs> good. He made influences.
2: <laughs> influences, you know? No, he's he's awesome. That that show I I enjoy that show as well and his uh his recall is phenomenal, so um
0: good stories it's been awesome dude one of my favorite things was when i wouldn't they i was listening to one of his old tapes and they were talking about a tag team called the undertakers 1989 and i was all like well i have to look this up and of course after an hour and a half of googling the undertakers tag team 89 please not actual undertaker no it's not the (laughs) brothers of destruction i was like well fuck it i'm never gonna find this (laughs) And so I asked them and they were immediately, both of them were like, oh, yeah. And they knew all about him. Arezzy knew how much they sold the rights to The Undertaker's name to WWE for. Like, it was fucking dope, dude. I was like, here we go. Yeah, There's certain things you're not going to be able to Google because other things have become larger, right? Uh, So I just want to throw that out there. Support those shows. You support me. And it's awesome. It's been a lot of fun. So, Is there another way they can support you? You always go to restingontherockscom slash shop or rocks.com has a donate button now. You can just straight up give me money and I don't have to give you nothing. I mean, there is the sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> but I like more, more direct money. You go to Curable.com <laughs> and you use promo code MADTHANKS. I don't have any of it out right now, but Curable, I usually have some on my desk. I like chew gummies throughout the day and stuff they get cbd because sitting in this awful chair hurts my back and stuff um i don't know if you use cbd for anything uh, i used to
2: to recover yeah. from back surgery yeah it's been a while
0: yeah but you know the benefits of cbd oh
2: absolutely yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah uh, i've been using cbd for a couple years now ever since i started working down at the smoke shop and have had a bunch of different samples and stuff and to be honest using this stuff Flavor-wise, to begin with, it's already head and shoulders a bunch above most of the other ones I've ever tried. Um, strength has been awesome. Like I'm, I could be happier. I'm saving money now because I'm able to get through curable.com and get that twenty percent off with Mad Thanks promo. Uh, Medusa uses it. Kurt Angle uses it. Like if a dude who's got a broken neck says this stuff her- helps, I'm gonna listen personally. Right. <laughs> Man, did you have you have you heard about Crown Jewel? Have you heard about this? You ever have you heard about this? Do you keep up with the I heard names? about
2: heard about Crown Jewel. I, you're talking about the uh, the premium live event that happened a few days ago.
0: Very same. The very same. I might
2: be I might be familiar with its happenings. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, we're not going to talk about it yet. What we're going to talk about is SmackDown. <laughs> I just want to ask you a couple of things because there a bunch happened, dude. A bunch yeah. has happened uh, between SmackDown, Crown Jewel, and Raw. There's a lot kind of there, so I think I'm gonna do kind of how I like to do our premium live event specials, where we're just gonna to talk topics and not break down the shows. I
2: got nothing going on, so I'll follow noticed, you lead. I've noticed that. About you.
0: <laughs> you live in Delaware. What could you possibly have going on? Uh, just looking for chicken farms. Just chicken cooping. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Uh, let's, anyway. talk <laughs> let's talk a couple things. The no disqualification match between Liv Morgan and Sonya Deville. hmm What would you think about this? They've been working together a bunch. Sonya, historically, we've, we've seen like waves of her seemingly getting much better and then almost regressing as far as her smoothness in ring. What did you get out of this one? What was your... What I got out of this was that Liv
2: Morgan might be our version of Roddy Piper. Um, She never needs a title again. The crowd is fucking eating her alive. They love Mm -hmm. her so fucking much right now. She has been teetering on breaking into some Alexa Lily type shit. And the crowd cannot stop cheering for her. Yes. She's going in and out of whatever this phase of she is. We have no clue what her character is, by the way. Nobody knows what this character of Liv is. It's undefined. Yeah. And people fucking love her. Yeah. That's I could not stop paying attention to the crowd loving everything Liv did. Uh the match was cool, but like I was really distracted by the crowd response and how much they yeah. love her. What are you doing to my camera man? What I mean, was that? I don't know, I Mike mean, It was flickering. Maybe it was just on my side. That was weird.
0: Yeah, I don't think I saw it on my side. There's only episode one. Take a drink. Yeah, but uh, cheers. I agree. I think that so, and this also leans into a whole other conversation I wanted to have with you at a different point, but you already said it, so let's fucking do it. Liv Morgan does not need a title, was what you said, Mm -hmm. because she's like a Roddy Piper. I think that what so what I want to break down a little bit is because I've heard a lot of people talk about um, Roman and Bray Wyatt in cases saying they don't need a title anymore. You know, we can get the title off Roman. We can still have Roman versus The Rock. Does that really need a title? I am under the the I'm in the camp that the title may not be needed, but it definitely elevates, right? Like Roman and Brock. A lot of people said, does this need the title? Do we need two titles on this? Do you, do you mean like, is somebody going to tune in or tune out based on if there's a title or not? Probably not. But does it make it more important? Absolutely. Because if you have the two biggest draws, the biggest uh, characters, personalities, just the largest scale thing you can have, how do you give it a larger scale? Give it higher stakes than just personal beef, Right. Even if Roman and Rock doesn't have a title, yes, everyone's going to want to watch it. And no, nobody's going to say, well, if it's not for the title, I'm not going to bother. You're going to watch it. But if it's for the title, it's, well, not only is it family, but also for the championship. Like, that's more important now, right? And it also adds an element to the story that complicates it, right? If it's Roman versus The Rock and there's no title, well, does anyone losing really matter? Probably Roman could take that loss and maybe get his win back later. That way we can move some story. But if there's a title on the line, well, then it's all like, well, can they really put it on the Rock right now? You know what I mean? Like, oh, is the Rock going to be too busy? Does it yeah. complicates the concept of the story there, which makes it harder to guess what's going to happen? So, well, just for that point of it,
2: because I'm not sure if you want to go into other aspects like you were saying with title or no title, character wise. We'll tie it back. Roman's Roman's tribal chief character has everything to do with the titles. That was the reason for it. So the title is necessary to the tribal chief. And the people who Mm -hmm. think that that title no longer needs to be on Mm -hmm. him fail to encapsulate the entire story of what the character is. And most likely Mm -hmm. weren't on for the beginning of the story either. But that's what he said. I need this title to feed my family. I am the tribal chief. like That's top dog of the company. Yes, we get it as... People in the know of how this shit works. It's a story, whatever. But the character itself, it's contingent upon the the title. If he loses that title, he can no longer provide for the family. He can no longer claim Tribal Chief.
0: Yes, and he's constantly saying that he carries the WWE on his back, and he is the WWE, and he he bears the weight of WWE on his shoulders. This is the physical encapsulation of that, having both world championships thrown over his back. Laid across his shoulders. This is the physical personification of bearing the weight of the company, just these massive logos on him, right? As much as we want to, we constantly talk about how we'd like a redesign. There is something about that visualization of like, look at this, the heavy strap of these logos bearing him down after this fight, right? So I agree with you where it's all like, yeah, the the character's kind of tied in. I don't think Roman and Rock is. Lesser than without the titles, but it's definitely more than with the titles, right? To tie that back to what we were talking about, Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper never needed the the championship, right? Because the Hogan character was tied into the title. The Hogan character needed to be champion. He was always fighting at that championship uh, gold to represent uh, a form of success for kids to look up to, right? With that, Liv Morgan may never need the title again. I completely agree. And that was to to tie it back into the idea of like, as much as, because I'll probably say it somewhere else too, Roman and Rock definitely could use the title. Brock and Roman definitely could use the title. See, people were trying to tell me at the time for that mania, why is it both titles? This is bullshit. Get the titles out of there. They don't need the titles. Well, look where we're at now a year later. that Those titles have been very important to that story on both sides. So, But I agree that Liv is so beloved. She's such a good underdog. She's doing such great character work people are going to be behind her and support her and buy her merch and yell for her. And they're going to show up because she's on the card, you know? Yep.
2: Yep. And, and, and her- that, that was just such a massive takeaway from watching them. And look, it was a tape SmackDown, right? So is there a chance that they bolstered the volume a little bit? Sure. But when you look at the crowd themselves, they're on their feet, they're cheering like crazy, you know, unless they edited footage somehow when they pan away, but I doubt it that they, they, that was yeah. So and, and the Piper thing, I, I wasn't even saying it as a challenger aspect. Like I'm saying like just to to witness. Exactly. Oh, we get to see Liv. Cool. All right. Liv. What is she doing? OK, great. Now, exactly. Now, I said this before when she was champion, kind of like the Bianca aspect. Bianca has been facing former champions. She hasn't been elevating the next contender. Does Liv have the ability to do a Roddy Piper Jake Roberts to elevate the next challenger for the title? Maybe not, but can it be just an adjacent story that we like watch- we like watching on TV? Well, shit, if we have two women's titles, women's tag team, uh, that's three stories that she's not a part of. Now she's the fourth story on TV, yeah. and we're all invested because it's Liv. Great, let's do it.
0: Yeah, 100%.
2: And she might be the one, she might be the one, the way kind of Natty was right. Like, but Natty was getting the next person over where we always saw Natty on TV, but it wasn't the story of what they're doing. Right. It was this, this person is going to try to climb the ladder. Let's go through Natty where now a story on TV can be with Liv. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh also, I think in this match, just in general, this is probably their best match together. Sonya yeah. and Liv. Their chemistry was really on point here. I really liked the character development that we're even seeing with Liv because it kept being like, Liv's more extreme now. That moment where they shot it, where, where she's trying to knock Sonya through the table and then realizes is not going to let go. And then she just kind of like shrugs and says, okay. And they both <laughs> go back into the table. And then she just kind of starts laughing and she's like in pain. Uh I thought that was fantastic. It was an amazing moment of, wow, lives. I mean, even Wade Barrett said it was a kamikaze style of wrestling. You know? Like, yeah, she's that level of crazy. She doesn't care if she's going to get hurt as long as you get hurt more. You know what I mean? I
2: think... Because... And this was my problem a couple of weeks ago. The extreme version of her was attached to extreme rules. It was like the night after they were saying extreme. I'm like, well, she's not extreme because she lost, Right? I came on, I believe, episode it was and and, and said that. But now that you bring it up this way with the kamikaze style and them saying extreme, that's more of a Jeff Hardy extreme, like a team extreme thing. And an extreme, a a controlled recklessness, and not extreme rules where she's always looking for kendo sticks and stairs and chairs and baseball bats and all that stuff. So um, I guess for me, had they given it a beat, I can believe more in the... Extreme wording.
0: Yeah. Now, yeah. now I
2: see more or less what you're saying because of how she's wrestling, as opposed to the Extreme Rules thing. So,
0: yeah, I think that, and for, I mean, realistically, the Extreme Rules pay per view for the first time, like completely. I mean, not the first time. That might be a bit, uh, a bit extreme. Uh, but uh, you don't constantly or consistently see those kinds of gimmick pay per views actually move forward storylines. You know what I mean? It's usually a crescendo, or uh, but you don't usually see a massive shift. The way that Liv went into extreme rules and came out differently because of the extreme measures of that match—it's pretty cool. You know what I mean? To use that in development that way.
2: Yeah, yeah. They don't necessarily call back to it enough to to keep that tie-in, but her attitude and character disposition does, because the yep. way she like they zoned in on her face and stuff. Um, so I can see that. Yeah.
0: Man, you'd said a, a phrase earlier, and I'm trying to fucking rack my brain on what it was because it was like another topic that I wanted to hit on that was tied in real perfectly with Liv and came and went because of other good points. Oh, well. Yeah, I'm but. good like that.
2: I will right, we'll see. Uh, um, you did mention Bray Wyatt too as a character that doesn't need a title. Was that just the conversation piece of it?
0: So that's another one where I do, do you think that? A lot of people say keep Ray is far away from the title, forever. Right. I mean, even Undertaker wasn't kept away from the title forever, right. right? And I think the that for me the argument is constantly when people say they don't need the title, I think what they're trying to say is that person's already important without it. Right. But I think what they're for what they're neglecting is that the title's meant to mean something. And if you are constantly trying to build rosters with people who don't need the title, then what's the need of the title? To me, the title has to make stuff more important. So to say never anywhere near the title makes me sound like you're capping them at their importance for sure. You know what I mean?
2: Right. I mean, but there is an awkward thing where let's say Seth beats Roman for both titles, right? Yeah. Does Seth feel more important than he does today? You know what does, I mean?
0: Does Seth feel more important? No. Does the story mean more? Yes.
2: Correct. But coming out of that, is Seth going to feel like any bigger of a star? Or you know what I mean? So like, I I get that side of it where it's like this person doesn't necessarily need the title. You can keep them away from the title. But again, to your point, those titles have to mean something and lift someone to the next level, like a Bobby Lashley who is now an untouchable star that doesn't happen without him winning that title even if he lost it as quick as he did
0: right but at a certain point you start devaluing the titles right if you, if yeah. your whole goal is to get people to the title so they're elevated to a point where they no longer need the title then now you're using it as a transition transition to make people bigger than the title right right a character then, transition
2: as opposed to a transitional champion
0: yeah yeah. And at that point, do you have an entire roster of people more important than the title? And is that ever good? Like, that's supposed to be the crescendo, right? Like, people are supposed to be, that's supposed to be their goals in this is to be champion. And if you constantly say, oh, no, I made myself bigger than the championship, well, what the fuck does that title mean? Why should, why is it your dream to hold it? Why is a guy like uh, Ricochet saying that one day he wants to hold that? Why is Kevin Owens saying he can't wait for the day that Sami Zayn gets to hold the universal title? Like, what does it fucking matter if all these other people are now bigger than the title? I mean, it's like, oh, so at that point, the world and universal title become almost mid-card territory. And then mid-card titles become like introductory territory. It's like you're a jobber till you get the IC. And then you're the IC champion until you become the world champion. And then you go to the main event after that. It's like, no, it's meant to be the top. Like right. you win right. the world rumble to have a title match, not to have a match against Bray Wyatt. Right. With right. no title. You know what I mean? Like, right. why does the rumble mean anything if the title doesn't for over half of the roster? Right. Right. No, that
2: makes sense. Yep.
0: But at the same time, you see book can be draws without it, like a Liv. Like, I do think that Liv winning the title definitely elevated her to a certain point. But her character development has been such that we're invested enough to care, regardless of if there's a title. But if she's ever in a title match, we will care more about that match. And when she wins, though, are people going to give a fuck afterwards? And that's kind of my problem
2: and where I'm at with, with Liv in this instance. If if they love her this much, then why put the title on her at all? Just keep this character or this wrestler? Because here's the thing. For I'm now. pretty sure, for now, yes, I'm pretty sure, too, like in a month, she can flip it and start getting booed. Mm-hmm. The, way, the way people are attached to her, she can do the thing that goes, are you fucking kidding me? And even without promoing, just keep doing the action. And, yes. and get booed. Uh, and they, she
0: has the crowd in the palm of her hand. Yeah. And speaking of the crowd, I remember the other thing you said. You said you thought it's possible that they were piping in noise. Which I'm not going to say is not possible. But what I mean to say. because it was recorded. Sure. But a lot of people make that argument all the time. Well, WWE always pipes in crowd noise. Oh, it's constantly. Oh, you can tell it's not real crowd noise. Oh, you can tell, you can tell, you can tell. But then you have this raw, which we'll get into the stuff around it later. But this Raw, where the crowd was largely dead most of the show, and a lot of people were complaining, why is this crowd so bad? This crowd's terrible. Never come back here. Listen to the crowd. They're not saying anything. I don't think you can have it both ways.
2: Right.
0: You know what I mean? You can't say that the WWE is well-known and heavily established for piping in crowd noise for decades, and then have an episode of Raw where there's no (laughs) crowd noise, and then say that's the crowd's fault. You either say that, hey, that's the WWE's fault for for fucking up their production and not piping in the crowd noise like they're like they normally would would they fire the sound piper right you know what i mean or you say this was a bad crowd and the other crowds have all been good it's either you have hot crowds or cold crowds or you have a legitimate person piping in sound failing at his job i don't think you get to have both
2: i'll give you that i'll give you that and i think i think uh stone cold said it best uh, it's the arenas and their acoustics. Um,
0: I think it's a major factor that yeah, people want absolutely. to ignore. I've
2: actually, I've been to that one um, that Raw was at. I went for SmackDown 900 because Undertaker was going to be there. And it is like the seats, the seats go away. Yeah. Not like necessarily up. They, they end up going away. Um, so I can see how it would be dead. Yeah. Um, you know, and then people thought that they would, they piped in an extreme rules for Bray. No way, <laughs> that shit was crazy. So right. it's I'm sure it's the building.
0: It has a lot to do with the building, I think, and I do believe that there are mics that they can sweeten, and I believe that their sweetening yeah. level is the same in every, and it's the same mostly across the board. I think they right. know that there's certain uh, there's certain venues where it's all like, look the the sound just goes up and out. Um yeah. There's the one I forget which one it was, but. Stone Cold to mention it. There was one that had like a wood ceiling. Rosemont was, Horizon. Yeah, yeah. The one and he Chicago, said the yeah. the crowd goes or the crowd noise goes right up and away. And he goes, so "I'm doing this stuff, and I hear nothing." And he goes, but "I look out, and I'm just seeing motion." <laughs> and it's like what the fun. So, yeah. so I I did I think that that's more of a fair argument than they're piping it in, and then why is this crowd dead? Well, maybe because they're not piping it in. Piece of shit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, just it it honestly. <laughs> Honestly what it felt like watching SmackDown is that it was a polished production. Like yeah. the way everything flowed. So like you know like WrestleMania 19 when they did the um the Hollywood version of it. So yeah. there's like an artsy way to it. That's kind of kind of how this SmackDown looked. But we I think we talked about that on episode 1 how I thought one of the biggest changes in Raw or I'm sorry in WWE since Vince left was the production value and SmackDown was a big example. Even in this the the next segment after the match was when um Seamus or not Seamus, uh, Gunther and Rey Mysterio arrive, and they give mm-hmm. them the you know like the boxers just arrived, the USC fighters just got to the building, and they do the tail of the tape as they're walking, you know, and yeah. you get the commentators saying each thing, you know, on the guys. That production value being there, um, you know, could just be how they're doing it. It was sick. It was sick. Yeah.
0: We hit a bunch of topics I wanted to hit at different times, but we did it all up at the top. So people can probably tune out now, I guess. Uh- <laughs> we can also revisit them. That's fine. <laughs> I'll get back to it. Uh, so let's wrap up some of the stuff from SmackDown, but, uh, but I do want to ask about a few, like I said, things LA night. L. Yeah. A- night. Yeah. What do you think about what he's going, got going on here? He had that match with Ricochet, comes out talking trash. He comes out talking trash while the music's still playing, doesn't care. He's got that stride. There are bits about LA Knight, and I said this in when he was in NWA. When I saw him live, I'm not trying to compare him to these people necessarily, right? It's not like he's the next X, Y, or Z. But as I was watching him, there was little things that he did that reminded me of The Rock. There were little things that he did that reminded me of Stone Cold. There was little bits that reminded me of Kurt Angle. He was kind of an amalgamation of influences that made him strictly his own. And not to say that he is going to be a Mount Rushmore personality, but it is to say, I don't see why he couldn't eventually be a Mount Rushmore personality. There was enough of all these little nuggets of things that just made me go. There's a lot that this guy's tapped into that, he could definitely take it as far as the will let him, I think. So seeing him do this, the swagger, the talking, the shit talk, walks right over to Samantha Irving and starts giving her shit. She's looking there kind of like, what the fuck am I supposed to do about this? Ricochet flies out of the ring, knocks him on his ass. They have a match, which I thought was awesome, the two of them. Uh, I believe, did, did Ellie and I pick up the mic afterwards too or just talk shit on his way out? Um, I was skipping through um okay. so once like
2: once i saw the entrances i watched and then once the match was over i stopped so i don't i don't remember i was i was okay. trying to condense watch it I but i tell think you he was ahead, on his way out but okay. uh, what
0: do you think about what's going on with la Knight?
2: so as much as i want to agree with you i'll say you're not wrong my problem is is i think he's too in his own formula that he needs to pull some things out and leave wiggle room to natural response, allow yes. us us to breathe in what he's saying. I think he hits every, I'm doing, come watch LA Night. Okay, cool. I just watched LA Night. I didn't get a chance to react, respond or whatever. So like when The Rock was doing his sing along with The Rock and all that shit, he did that on purpose in the millions and then waited a beat because he used to say millions and millions and then he waited a beat and allowed us to react. So going through those steps, if he if L.A. Knight pulled, let's say he goes one through five, if he just did one, three and five instead of one, two, three, four, five, you know what I mean? I think yeah. it would yeah. give beats to soak in what he's doing. Um, I mean, we can appreciate it because we know what we're watching. I just I think he goes too much into his formula and it it become to me, it becomes so stale so fast because it's the same thing over and over again.
0: I actually formula the Rock formula
2: wise. Well, of course you did.
0: I hated him because I thought he was too formulaic. I thought all of his promos were the same. (laughs) I actually would say I would get so mad. And I was like, every time he was, his promos were identical. He would change the person's name. He would sometimes do a little mockery of it, but the first four lines and the last five lines were the same. And if he used a new line that he'd never said before, they're going to go ahead and pop a t-shirt out for it. And I just thought it was so formulaic and so shitty. I just didn't like him even when he was becoming like the big thing and everyone was cheering him, I was still like, no, fuck that guy. But I was also a big Foley guy and I'd read his book and I was like, Foley had to work, you know, X, Y, Z harder and all this. And I was, I wrote a fucking essay in, in high school about how Mick Foley was better than the rock and how he had it harder. And how <laughs> was really, like, I was in it, man. But that is to say that I agree that there's a formula to what Ellie Knight's doing right now. But I also think that that's completely by design because we've watched him in NXT show up and the crowd reject him. So he turned real heel real fast. And I think that that's part of his method is once the crowd doesn't take to him, is because I think that he's super attuned to what the crowd's doing. Because when I watched him in NWA, the crowd took to him. So he just went babyface right away. And he let things breathe. And he would do responses. He would look to the crowd. He would say things he became communicative with the, the audience. I think when the crowd turns on him, he turns on the crowd to get them to amp up their, their anger, right? He's leaning into it and he gets to a certain point. It happened in NXT. They hated him so bad that they started to love him. And then when he went babyface in there, then he started slowing down his thing. He's got a method that I've seen him do four or five times as he's introduced in a new company. If the crowd turns on him, cool. Let me crank that up. I'm gonna stomp all over everything that makes you guys happy. I don't want you to have time to respond.
2: So he's just you know? laying groundwork now.
0: Yes. Okay. He's teaching. He's teaching the audience right now how he how he would like a response, but telling you he doesn't need it and not giving you room to do it. So by the time you get to now, you love it. All right. You know what I mean? I'll bite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll bite. I'll bite. Um... And I only say that because I've seen him do it before right <laughs> right 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 right. and as i watched it last time i was all like oh my god he's this good like this is amazing
2: all right so yeah i'll let it play out
0: all right all right well it was a good match though man those two work so well together. i'm so happy for LA knight right now to be honest uh let me see the other thing i wanted to ask you about let's just hit it to bray wyatt I've seen a lot of people go back and forth on if they're tired of it, they don't get where it's going on SmackDown. He berated uh, uh, Gaffer, more or less, in the back. Uh, I was hoping that would lead to a match, Bray versus Gaffer in <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Uh, he comes out in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel, premium live event, He cuts a promo there as well, which I thought was pretty interesting. To me, there was nothing in that moment that didn't feel just like a SmackDown moment. Like, we could have had that on there. It felt like a special thing to the Saudi audience because they're kind of used to seeing him. He's been in a few of them. Let's throw that segment in there. I didn't think it was bad. I don't know that I thought it was amazing. I thought it was good and useful, and I think we're moving it. But it did feel kind of like a SmackDown segment in Crown Jewel. But apart from that concept, I still love what they're doing with him. But I've heard a lot of people say they are not. What do you think? Well, so... Um...
2: Bray Wyatt's untouchable that's number one even if I sit here and defend Bray Wyatt he's so meta that even if I can explain it I still miss so many things and those who don't get into it aren't even seeing what I'm seeing you know what I mean So like they're they're missing so many different layers to what he's doing so if you don't absorb it you're 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 not you're just not going to get it And I don't fully get it. I got to go for the ride. So if you're not going to go for the ride, cool, that's on you. But like the whole point of Bray versus Gaffer was being interrupted uh, uh, consciously and unconsciously. Because if the Uncle Howdy is what's interrupting his, you know, windomness while he's expressing his emotions and his feelings, but then even this guy, walks through the set while he's expressing his emotions and his feelings. Like he's, he's laying out the groundwork for who he is as this version where everybody wants to get to the fucking answer. You're not going along for the ride. Like I told you on episode one, I'm not going to listen to other people's podcasts as they speculate and they want to guess and give the answers before they go for the ride. It just doesn't make sense. You he's again on face value. Bray Wyatt is doing things that is so layered underneath it. You, you have to try to remember what he said last time, because it's going to come up next time or the time after that.
0: Um, So, and and I felt like those goes, because so a lot of people have been like, Oh, is he going to face uncle Howdy? And that was maybe howdy boy, boy, howdy. Uh, I think that it was kind of neat to see this because it, like you said, sets the groundwork that he's becoming ultra sensitive about his time, his train of thought, He gets rattled easily. You know what I mean? Where before, if someone came out, it was like, oh, what's this person? You know what I mean? This is kind of like he's trying. He's like so hyper focused and in his own head that any interruption, any little thing. Just turns him violent. Realistically, he begged the guy to leave. Please leave. Get away from me. And it was like this pleading of if because if you don't, I can't stop myself.
2: Even after he even after the apology. Because he yes. needed an apology for being interrupted, and then yes. even couldn't accept the apology enough to not
0: yeah. have the guy dismissed. Yeah, yeah. And I need I need you to go because if you don't, like, I mean, he didn't say it yeah. every way, but he said it with his body. Please get away from me. That's the other I thing. I need
2: you I'm, to. I'm telling you, the way they're shooting Bray, the lights, the camera, even just Bray. I, I wrote in my notes, he's glowing. There's something about yes. Bray who is completely. In himself, in this character, that he is fully immersed, and yeah. that type of glow has me so drawn to whatever this energy is. And I was already a fan, but I'm not even like I told you on episode one. I don't, I don't fucking care if he wrestles, but the, the shit he's doing is so incredible. Yeah. What is a match going to do to enhance this? Yeah, like it's, 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 it's insanity how how creatively captivating he is. And it's got nothing to do with ropes. Like, it's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I, I, I understand and get and appreciate the sentiment of, I don't care if he ever wrestles. Cause you're not the only person I've heard say that. Um, you're not special. So I'm,
2: I'm, no, that's uh, fine.
0: I get it. And you... I love him in the ring. I think he's phenomenal
2: in the ring. Just like what, what they're <laughs> building has something to do yeah. so much better.
0: Right. So I can appreciate the concept of people saying, like, I don't need him to wrestle because I agree that I'm invested whether or not he gets into a match. Theoretically, I agree with the sentiment of he doesn't need a title. And it's because he's so important as a character that thinking that a title alone will elevate his status is kind of silly. But elevated stakes do mean something. I always thought that The Fiend should have held on to the title and used it as bait. You know, what I mean, not that it was yeah. important to him necessarily because revenge was more important to him, but his understanding of how important the title is and his strength being such that he can just take it, that he would grab the title, hold on to it and be and dangle it in front of people like a Seth Rollins, like a Roman. Look, I needed because I, you won't fight me otherwise. I right. needed this to get you here. Right. Uh, and I still think that that kind of thing can still be functional with him. Um, but I do think that ultimately he's got to get to a match because it's got to play out in a way where we see what he's doing that's different, because he's also wrestled different in every iteration that he's had. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, and I, I do think, think
0: though, that title wouldn't hurt yeah. him.
2: No, no, no. I and, and I don't disagree with that either. I think the the more or less don't care if he wrestles is not fantasy booking an opponent. Because Because what... what Let's do it, right? Like, who's he going to face and why? Well, that's, yeah. that's so undetermined that go along for the fucking ride and and take what he's giving you. Because if you don't understand it now, you will. And if you don't, you'll end up seeing him wrestle. You know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. more or less from that standpoint, it's like it, uh, an opponent for him is so far-fetched, you know? Just yes. fucking go for the ride. It's so oh, good, yeah. too, man. It's fucking, God, it's good. It's awesome. that's
0: why I think he should be fighting gaffers and security guards <laughs> <laughs> make it out uh, only two more things I'm going to hit in Smackdown and we'll move it along I promise Uh, Shayna Baszler kicks Natty in the nose blood everywhere I want to know what you saw here because I think I saw something different than a lot of people saw okay um, number one, I saw a pretty good match. Yeah,
2: it was a pretty good. good match. So let's That's not let's what? not gloss over that.
0: Oh yeah, both um, of them are awesome. And I think yeah. Ronda and her and Shayna's corner was awesome. Great touch. Yes. Um. So I saw
2: Natty post the my dislocated nose is doing better photo after SmackDown aired, which was on tape delay. Mm-hmm. So let's let's start kind of there, <laughs> uh, because after the match, when Shayna throws the knee. The sound was fucking insane. Yeah, I cringed because I was like, oh, that's where it happened. But then I saw Natty doing this. Yeah, And I was wondering how much uh, it took for her to work her nose out of its location to have a dislocated nose as opposed to a broken nose um if this is something that natty knows how to do um mm-hmm. so
0: that's what i saw um but i thought it looked awesome here's what i saw because i thought it was dope but this was uh Lee meets uh alia again this was i need to correct a th- i'm having a surgery soon and let's turn it into a storyline This is what I saw. Cause from the moment I saw it, she holds her hand, holds her hand. You see her kind of check. I see shit in her hands. They give her this massive towel, much the same as they've given to Aaliyah before she had her, her nose reconstruction. Um, and just in fairness, I don't think it's necessarily a nose job. I think she had a deviated septum or something and was going to have surgery to repair it. That's my personal belief. I don't know. I don't think that it was a cosmetic thing necessarily. I think that there was an issue from having so many broken noses over the years and stuff that you got to fix it from time to time. Like what, like what Ruby Soho's going through. Although her nose was actually broken in the ring several times by sloppy people. Terrible. Opponent. <laughs> <laughs> in this, so your point I about think
2: go Guys, sorry.
0: So, so I think that what I saw is, hey, let's work this into an angle for Shayna, make her seem more vicious, get that knee up because it looked like it hit to the side to me. She does this, comes away. That blood was so, so red, so, red, so and red. not a dark red. It was a <laughs> <Yeah>. bright red. <laughs> yeah. And blood is a dark red. And yeah. she was going like this. yeah yeah she's getting that everywhere that was in the towel they put it in the towel that's what i saw and i was like what a great work and the producer was like oh my god look what they did to her nose i hope she's okay and then the next day she posts that thing like oh see i told you it was dislocated someone even i want to say it was i think it was actually melzer if i'm not mistaken said something along the lines of like oh they did this gimmick here where it was obviously fake blood and then somebody retweeted that with the with Natty's post and being like fake, right? And I was like those two things can be the same thing, right? Absolutely. <laughs> they can work that for a reason. And Natty's smart enough and Shane is smart enough yeah. and Triple H is smart enough and the rest of us are dumb enough that it is going to work.
2: <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's funny. Blue yeah, Boyd um... says Natty's getting flowers and everything. I love it, but I think it's great. And I think it looks, Oh, awesome. read, read two comments later. <laughs> yeah. We are super dumb. Yeah, that's what we do. We well, cause down. that's the thing. Like somebody,
2: somebody, uh, quote tweeted Natty. Cause she said that's, when you said deviated set them, I was like, of course I know. I've known people who've had that surgery and Natty's bruising and everything. a uh, duh. Cause even Natty goes, it's my dislocated nose is back in pa- place. Good thing. Uh, the shape and look of my nose isn't going to change. Set them surgeries all on the inside. It changes nothing. <laughs> it's like, motherfucker. <laughs> so yes, I, I am dumb. I got worked, uh, and I love it, because uh, somebody best. somebody quote tweeted Natty and was like, how do you even dislocate a nose? And Shana, Shana tags it and is like, uh, when you have someone who knows how to throw knees properly, I was like, son of a bitch. They did it. They did it. did
0: it. So good. It's fucking great. Yeah, great job, great job, guys! Great job, guys! I loved it. Yeah, and everyone's going on and on about Shayna's so great because I also think about Shayna in NXT. Remember, she was breaking everyone's arms? Yeah, yeah, people will be Say out it. for a while and break slings. their arms, send them to the main roster. <laughs> yeah, break their arm, send them up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Shayna's gonna break your arm tonight. Oh my god, really? Dude, did you see my SmackDown or Raw? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Did you uh <laughs> did you see my tweet on Sheamus's wedding?
0: I don't know. But the Uso's, the Usos. thought that one of the dudes was looked like Martin Short, and I didn't oh, know no. how to reconcile that. <laughs> what if they're buddies? That'd be awesome.
2: <laughs> I, I hoped. <laughs> no, the Usos fucked his arm up on SmackDown, and then the yeah. next day he gets married, but he has no fucking cast on. Like, way to sell a fucking injury, you know what I mean?
0: It was probably a hyper extension. I don't no cast know. Needed
2: that chair shot was that was crazy. At least should have had a he brace. Sick. He yeah. sick. Had he if he had a brace out at the wedding, I'd have been like, well, definitely respect. I mean, we've like, been respecting oh, all year. He can't fuck up
0: now. I mean, come on, yeah, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> at least for the picture. Yeah. Yeah, he's got like one of those Owen Hart fake casts. On yeah, and yeah. then like takes it off for the ceremony, puts it on for a couple of photos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Post. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yes, Shayna, Rhonda, Natty, fucking love it. I was so happy with all that, and I was happy with the i. If I was so happy with the internet response, you know the 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 three of them were just fucking giddy. You're fucking right. Or they're just so pro. They're just like goddamn right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm giddy, and they're all like fucking yep. calm down, Mark. Yep. yeah. Uh, Smackdown. We're gonna finish up with Gunther versus Rey Mysterio for the Intercontinental Championship. The better man won Rey Mysterio, grossly overrated. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) This was fantastic, dude. I loved this. Rey Mysterio was awesome. And we talked about it before that my thought was that Rey Mysterio is going to teach Gunther how to be a big man versus a little man because Gunther's had largely large opponents. This is going to teach him a whole other level. Not that Gunther couldn't do it, but that I was like, He hasn't done it on this level, I don't think. This was fucking fantastic, the two of them. What would
2: you think of it? Uh, It was a pay-per-view level match. And I think Mm -hmm. um, in this new setup, I wanted to make sure I got my virtual background correct because uh, I think we talked about it on episode one that Rey Mysterio winning, whether he is going winning the number one contendership, whether he's going to win or lose, was secondary to the fact that the match was going to be fucking awesome. So if those on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook want to read the background and just realize that I was correct, that the message is going to be fucking awesome. And it's going to show Ray Mysterio is going to break him down. Gunther is going to sell like he always does. And to your point, because you said it on that same episode one, that Gunther will learn how to work with the small guy. Because Ray knows that Ray knows how to work with big guys. I thought it was fucking incredible. The only thing I didn't like is they kept doing, using the Hurricane Rana as a transition spot. Um, I thought they did it a, a little like one too many times. Um, and then of course the last time they did it, um, Gunther was basically prepared for it. Um, you know, yeah, which led to the, the end story. of the match. Right. Well, yeah, it was, but it just, yeah.
0: right, I, I got tired of it.
2: You, I got tired of it before the end. Let's, let's put it that way. I was like, okay, here we go again. All right, whatever. Um, but to your point. But that's
0: also been um, a signature Ray move for a very long time. Why wouldn't he go to it? It's
2: just, just not that many times.
0: Just if not it's not working many that many times, you keep doing it, dude. Well, I didn't fucking games? like
2: it, okay? I didn't fucking
0: like it too many times. You ever, you ever play uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out? Yeah. You, you wait for play. the right moment every time, one punch. <laughs> One move, the whole time. <laughs> One move, the whole time. It's all about timing.
2: <laughs> but no, I thought I thought it was incredible. We knew it was going to yeah. be incredible and absolutely delivered. And honestly...
0: It was actually better than I thought it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be great. I think so, too, because Gunther
2: does have an ability to get lost while he's selling, where he's yes. not as fluid as he usually is. And he kept it tight. And I thought him maybe slowing down just a little bit to stay aboard with what Ray yeah. was doing was phenomenal. Yeah. So- and Ray... And how much can we can we say about Ray absolutely doing everything necessary to sell for this guy at 40-something years old, pushing 50 to fucking take the pounding at the heights that he had to fall down from and all that shit. Was it, I, I thought yeah. it was great.
0: And like the throw to the outside. Out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, yeah.
2: yeah. Everything.
0: Yeah, the throw to the outside, the idea that he was like, well, Ray's going to try and pick up the pace here to try to wear down Gunther because Ray knows that's what you got to do with big guys. They get gassed easy, right? But you're also like... He's, he's fucking like seventy years old. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I can't even get to my mailbox that fast. Right, right. <laughs> right. just amazing. Uh, let's talk some crown jewel. Oh, I wanted you to come on here to talk about your jewels.
2: Okay, you want to put them on the table? Yeah, I may haven't heard from background. You can't see them, so you wouldn't
0: be able to see because they're green. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, the show did start Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. And I was kind of like, Oh shit, here we go. Here we go. It was quite a way to start the show. And I thought this match was fucking awesome. They do not often, even in matches where you think Brock might lose, they do not often make Brock look like he barely won. And they do not often have Brock be dominated for the majority of the match. Like, he looked like he survived the match. Like, it's Brock, Buck, and Lesnar, and he won the match, right? Because he is that good. And he is that powerful. But at the end of the day, Lashley controlled this match the entire time. Looked like an absolute animal. Even after the match attacks Brock. And he came out, to me, on an equal level to Brock. As far as just ferociousness and believability.
2: I agree, and I think I was right about this one, too, that Brock Lesnar given the opportunity, which is every time, is he's number one, two, or three at making his opponent look great all time. Yeah. All time. He's done it with small guys, big guys, whatever. And to your point, though, this was the very, very first time, especially in victory, especially in victory, he didn't come out looking like the strongest one. Correct. He's lost matches before, whereas, like, fuck, man, that guy just won. Lashley was ready to go again. He could have wrestled yep. even more. And to yep. Lashley's point on Raw, he said, and I beat the fuck out of Brock Lesnar. Yep. And Brock Lesnar has, I've said it since my podcast started, Terrible Wrestling Takes, podcast.com <laughs> um, I've said it on episode once. Brock Lesnar is here to play. He's here for us. He is part of this. He knows what the fuck he's doing. He is an incredible professional wrestler. And what he's done for Bobby in this one match is fucking incredible. So all the dickheads out there are like, oh, there's nothing on the line. Titles, right? There's, what is this match even for? There's this. They're just, why are we getting this? This is Rush. The-
0: because How Brock it? doesn't need the title.
2: Right. It's fucking amazing. It's fucking amazing. The reason why Brock beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania is for moments like this, where Bobby Lashley now looks as dominating as Brock Lesnar. It was fucking awesome. And it was a yeah. hell of a fucking fight.
0: Hell it of a fight. So... It was fucking badass, dude. I was like kind of jaw dropped the whole match. Like, oh my god. And every, every time him.
2: every time you thought Brock Lesnar was going to do Brock Lesnar, he didn't.
0: Correct. Yeah. Brock was just getting fucking decimated. It was fucking cool, man. I my was, my I mean, favorite
2: part my favorite part is that they did the outside stuff, right? And that's yeah. usually the precursor to it finishing quick in the ring and it didn't. We still got a lengthy match after that. And I was like, "Okay. Yes. Thank you. They they allowed it to breathe and they showed that
0: dominance. Uh it was great. I think, was great. I think I even talked to you about it on the way into this match that this this felt like they're going to finally give us the match that we've been feeling like we deserved from the two of them. Yes. yes. And this is 100% that. This is a match you can rewatch 100 times. Despite. Not only that, it's a
2: match that sets up perfect for another one.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, now you got that rubber match concept. Yeah, I'll watch that again. Yeah. Just fucking dudes beat the shit out of each other.
2: And what can Brock even say in the promo? Yeah. Right? Like, I got the
0: dub. Right.
2: And then and then Lash is like, but I whipped your ass. Who can say that to Brock?
0: The only issue I had with the match at all was the wonky finish. Yeah. So, so Brock kicks off the, the rope and the concept is that Bobby's meant to be holding on to the, the hurt lock, but as soon as they hit, it broke and he yeah. couldn't get his arms back around. And he stayed down for the three and then acted like what the hell I was trying to and you're kind of like because like, the idea was supposed to be that he was risking the three count tightening oh, the, the lock. Yeah. And even even uh, uh, I've heard podcast and i've heard even their commentary was trying to say like oh they risked it for the or that's what it was it was like the the spaces afterwards with like ryan Popola and it was this whole like oh yeah he held on to the hurt lock and it, it cost him the match because he was holding it on so tight and he kept it locked in you could see it and i was like you clearly could see he did not have it locked in right you know what i mean right. like that was my only problem is they're trying to make it sound like he was holding on to a hold that was just not in effect
2: and that's that's why i like my podcast I like coming on your show I like I like this type of banter because even in that finish that was wonky and obviously wonky the effort from Bobby was still there to worry about the submission the way he was supposed to yes and get caught in the loss so even if it wasn't executed properly he didn't deviate from it or fake that it was happening I still thought like he was trying to maintain that submission his mistake was not rolling over his mistake wasn't yeah. getting his shoulders up, which is still yeah. a mistake. And I yeah. don't think I'm necessarily filling in lines. I'm just taking what I saw. And what I saw was Bobby not be be too worried about this to worry about getting his shoulders up. And he fucked up. Yeah. Which is perfect for what happened afterwards when he's still beating the shit out of Brock. Yeah. Um, so it, it still plays. It is in how it is delivered to the other audience, though. The way Ryan Popola yeah. says it, that when you say it that way, no, you're fucking lying. But yeah. when you say it the way I just did or even you did, it's like, hey, it's a wonky finish, but the end result is there. He was too worried about the submission to get his fucking shoulders up. What an idiot. Yeah,
0: yeah, 100%. Yeah, He was still
2: trying to get it. He just didn't lock Which, it back in. to be honest, it looked better than when Shayna does it. Because every time it happens to Shayna, she has it fully locked in and is not aware her shoulders are down, and this has happened to her a bunch where yeah. even Bobby trying to fight to get it locked in, show there's actually more to pay attention to.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I agree. Bobby looked a little silly, but super dominant. And I think that that's a fair trade. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Seems all right. For sure. Um, and we'll talk more about Bobby here in a bit, but we did get Oscar and Alexa versus Dakota Kai and EO sky in the rematch for the titles. I saw some people, um, really trash some of the concept here about uh, Damage Control getting the titles back. Like, why have them lose on Monday if they're going to bring it back on Saturday? To tell a story. Yeah. <laughs> the story of it. Uh, I was talking to somebody, and they said this is actually a very good booking because it actually will provide heat to the story a little bit more. Um, because of the idea of the title kind of going back and forth, it makes them look like they were ill-prepared before. Uh also for the historical nature of Dakota and EO now becoming the first women to win a title in Saudi Arabia. Every title has been retained since they've been there. So that's a little knock on their little, little feather in their cap. Uh, But yeah, the story being that, you know, stakes were higher and now there's a little more heat on it and there's nothing wrong with the title change in a short period of time. Like that can happen.
2: Yeah. And they transitioned into Monday when they, you know they're bringing up war games now, so it's it is yeah. all about how do we battle, 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 battle. Who wins the war? I mean, it's it's very extremely simple. Like that's it's exactly why you do that, and you need the baby faces to come from underneath. And the only other way to do that is to have Bianca lose, and they obviously don't want that to happen. So, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that in a bit. But the Oscar and and Alexa also also don't need the fucking titles yeah
0: yeah to be honest i wasn't thrilled with damage control losing it to begin with and that's just my own bias and i felt like they could use it longer reign i also felt like alexa and oscar getting the victory the way they did especially winning twice in one match was fucked up yeah um for a team that hadn't they're not they're not as as they're not meant to be as established as dominant right and damage control's been having a hard time picking up steam as a dominant faction so i felt like that this was actually pretty solid you know almost yeah. writing a wrong but in storyline you know what i mean like not not being like oh we messed up on the booking it's more like no 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 now there's a chip on their shoulder they realize it can be taken away if they're not on their game you know i like it yep uh cross and mcintyre I don't have really anything to say about that one. Yep. It's fine. I I want Cross away from Drew. Mm-hmm. And Drew getting the win here does nothing for me. And I feel like it hurts Cross, especially mm-hmm. when they cheated so much to win. And I know there's no cheating when there's no disqualification. But there was a lot of interference and a lot of shenanigans. And for uh, Cross to still lose, it really undermines a lot of w- what a story is. You know?
2: Yep. Is, and especially like we talked about on episode one Where um, Cross was Attacked after a car accident um, There's just No It It, it really like <laughs> Drew's the one picking on Cross
0: <laughs> Yes. After yep.
2: the initial attack Drew has been picking on Cross And mm-hmm. it's one of those um, Why'd you beat the shit Out of me well because you poked me Yeah but yeah. all I did was poked you Now you're beating the shit out of me Like, just poke me back. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to fucking one-up and dominate and fucking break my leg. It's just, Drew has taken it so far that I don't know what I'm looking at Um, story-wise. And that's beyond not liking the two of them as wrestlers. If I had a better story, I would... I'd like to watch it more, but... I mean, how many other things is Drew going to overcome to be a dull character? I just...
0: Yeah, and if if Cross's whole storyline is that he's here to right the wrongs and prove that they were wrong in choosing who they chose to be their chosen ones, you're really not doing a good job of that. I mean, like, you should at least be doing that for a period of time. If you've if you stated that as your uh, memorandum or whatever, then you should at least be accomplishing that for a little while instead of failing immediately. So I don't know. Uh, Judgment Day in the OC. A lot of people thought we were building up towards a Beth Phoenix return. Especially with war games coming up. I don't know why people thought it was going to be an intergender match, but I say do it. Uh, and I think there's still that speculation. But a lot of people were thinking we're going to get to Beth Phoenix. This was another one where Ripley comes in and does enough to cost the OC. I liked the match. These guys That's all awesome. work really well together.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And the Judgment Day... Because I saw somebody saying, "What do like? What do you think about like the like? How is Judgment Day treating Rhea?" Someone asked me, like, "Do you think it's actually good for her?" I was like, "This is amazing for her because she's the centerpiece, almost yes. unintentionally." Yes, everything about her, she's controlling everybody. Yes, the little finger wave to Dom. She should have done like two, mm-hmm. but. Uh (laughs) maybe he's just not that comfortable yet (laughs) so like waving him over doing the stuff the whispering she's kind of controlling this whole thing and the other personalities around her are still very strong personalities so i think it's amazing for her yeah
2: it's it's the most important she's been on the On the main roster. And she's been champion before.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, and those championship it, reigns sucked.
2: Yeah. And even her adjacent battle with Bianca, right? Yeah. Like, where are the two NXT women? Um, even in that, she was just like, you know, window dressing for the Bianca story. She's so important that... Did they even say it on commentary? That when the reveal or no, when um, the open challenge mm-hmm. though, when on, on raw, when they came out for the open challenge for Seth, they said that Rhea may even challenge Seth because of how uh, domineering she's been. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's how good this is doing for Rhea. She hasn't even fucking wrestled. And she's this, she's so important that commentary presented her, as a viable contender for Seth, freaking Rollins we're talking about here. Not Seth yeah. McFarlane A fucking Seth Rollins match with Ray Ripley sounded like it could actually happen and mean something. That's how good it is for her. So who's asking that question? Fucking idiot. Okay. <laughs> Let's see.
0: Do uh, you want to just talk about what happened on Raw with them too? Because we might as well. We're already kind of into it. Yeah, I thought
2: uh, we both. Yeah, we both guessed uh, Beth Phoenix because there was, and I think I even said it on episode one. There's no one adjacent in the company that would be like would make sense because mm-hmm. there's no one with ties. It Doesn't really add up. Yeah. Um,
0: but I fucking love Mia, yeah, man. She. Yeah. So the answer is Mia, but the play devil's advocate does even she make sense? The
2: only way to justify it is to mention the impact connection, but I don't even think that she was in. She may have been in impact the same time the good brothers were, uh, contractually. Oh. I, I don't know if they've ever been on the same show though, because I didn't That's watch impact point. like that. Yeah, nobody did, man. Well, you might I'm not even saying. know, yeah. like, You might be able to ask
0: the good brothers, they might not know if she was <laughs> right. there or not,
2: right? Right, but that would be um. the only thing. So, yeah, I agree with you there. I was trying to because I, I love it. I mean, as yes. a yes, as I think a, it's great. For brutality wise versus Rhea, I mean, Mia Yim's willing to put her body through anything. Um, you know, she's a hell of an athlete. Um, you know, but yeah, connection wise, um, AJ said it best. She found us. The OC mm-hmm. didn't find someone, someone found us. So, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think she's awesome. I also think that because uh, OC's been doing a bunch of red and black. I think with Mia Yim's bright blue hair, it's gonna be a really cool contrast. You know what I mean?
2: What if she comes out with red hair
0: next week? Oh man. <laughs> She'll be looking like Ava Rain. <laughs> uh but yeah, I, I I like the addition of Mia. I think it's gonna be great. But yeah, as far as like making sense of it, I really couldn't. So I guess the idea that AJ saying she found us is that Mia must storyline wise say that she feels she has unfinished business with Rhea or Rhea left her behind or some sort of thing. But when I even think about NXT, I don't remember Rhea and Mia interacting much. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where the whole story comes in from there, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, And I'm here for it. I'm on board. Uh, Let's see. uh, Crown Jewel almost versus Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. Let us know this was 47 star match. Right, it's pretty good. Right, yeah, It's like, a lot. Of there's stars. not a lot of those. That's a lot <laughs> of stars, dude. So I was like, "Oh shit, man!" I didn't even know. Like, it was better than said, expected. I'll say that much. I actually really loved this match. I thought it was fantastic because it was that much better than expected. This could have been really clunky and weird. It was two massive dudes doing a lot of power things to each other. I've said it before. Braun Strowman is. Purely underrated as an athlete because there's no one to match his pure strength for him to balance off of. So he's always domineering and always has to play down as to not hurt somebody. The best two matches I've ever seen Braun in was against Big Show and Brock Lesnar when they could match his power and allow him to do some other crazy shits this was awesome because Braun was able to lean on almost because of the power difference. Right. that Braun could really do some cool stuff and tell the story and look like he's struggling and almost look like he's just devastating. Like this to me was awesome. It was an actual clash of Titans that paid off a lot of historically big man versus big man matches are total flops because they don't work well. They can't move well. They don't, they're not used to working with other big dudes. Right. This one worked in every way. This is, I know, I know. Braun said it, and a lot of people gave him shit for it. But I actually agreed with the sentiment where this was the new bar for what a big man match could look like. Because he said before then, he said it was Hogan and and Andre, and I'd be like, eh, maybe. That was a good match. It was a, it was a historical match for a lot of reasons, but I don't think it was the the athletic match that other yeah. big man matches have been. Yeah, but this was one where you kind of go like, yep. That's what two big men can do. Right. Right.
2: No, I, I'll give you that. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I didn't
0: smell his chest so much. That was weird. Yeah. But outside of that. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you.
2: I'm with you. I just wasn't enamored. Um, but that, that's just me, I guess, because I, I've grown sour on Braun since he's been back. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll give it I'll give it another rewatch just to uh, see if I can soak it in a little bit better. But like I said, it was better than expected. Um, I just, maybe I was watching dishes or something, I don't remember.
0: I do think a lot of people went into this match going, okay, this is going to be terrible, and we're looking for reasons to find it terrible, as opposed to going like, all right, I'm not expecting much out of this match, and just taking it in for what they're actually seeing. I think a lot of people um, were pretty prejudiced to this coming into it, and I think that that reflected in a lot of the reviews I heard people giving it. I was like, well, I didn't think it was going to be much, and it sure wasn't. And you're like, well, you didn't fucking give it a try and didn't watch it. Like, is how I right, feel like. Right, um, right, Because I was kind of like, let's see what they can do. <laughs> and right. when I was watching. I was like, oh shit. Uh, Usos versus the Brawling Brutes. Just awesome because they're all great. I don't yep, know what tell you.
2: <laughs> was, uh, you yeah. know the the Brawling Brutes. I think I said this about the uh, Extreme Rules match that. Ridge Holland has come such a long way and I mean working with uh Imperium of course right but I mean this is what the Usos do man (laughs) they they just they just have great fucking tag team matches and if you can't get there they'll get you there but I thought they all carried their weight I, I thought it was fantastic
0: what do you think about the story they're building with them in the new day they had the promo on Smackdown they had the promo on Raw um so when SmackDown happened, of course, I checked the old Twitter machine and,
2: oh my God, New Day and the Usos. And all. That fucking promo on Monday. If you're not mm. ready for New Day and the Usos again, then you're missing something inside your system. Yeah. They are fucking amazing. They they know how to let you know what wrestling means to wrestlers. <laughs> yep. how How important... Um, even the rivalry with them is uh, how important the wrestling business is to them as individuals. Xavier Woods fucking putting out the fact that even to this day, <laughs> to this fucking day, he has insecurities about being in the company, even after what they've done as a new day and how important the record is to them. It is fucking amazing. Yeah. Amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And um I think it's been really smart to keep them apart for a long time because I do think that there was a while where they seem like the only two tag teams in the, in the whole company. And I think it's been really smart to keep them away. But I also think that as they're getting this close to breaking that record, that there's only, you, you have to face the new day because you either right. are going to be handed the torch or the new day is going to carry that legacy. Right? Like, and then they could even win it back a little bit later and it's like all right well maybe you'll get the total number of days but not the length of days and you know how they pull that stuff all the time right well uh, i'd tell you
2: to your point the the story they they told a couple of years ago which was fucking amazing they went from pre show to main show and they easily could have main evented the way that oh, yeah. they did their shit a couple of years ago yep. um, that was about who's the best tag team right now yes this story that they're telling is which team is wrestling more important to because yeah. they immediately brought up the lineage yeah. and the Usos are, this is how we stand out from our lineage by showing them that we're not Rikishi. We're not Umaga. We're not Yokozuna. We're not Roman Reigns. We're not the rock. We're the fucking Usos. And the Usos are not the best tag team in the family. We're the best tag team in the wrestling industry. And in yeah. order to be the best tag team in the wrestling industry, this record is ours. And yeah. the new day is like, no, we are the best tag team of all time. We are the best tag team in the wrestling industry because that record is ours. It's it's yeah. that that's the poetry they're telling.
0: Yeah. And I'm it's here awesome for it. And I love the Usos even saying, like, you only got Kofi Mania because we gave it to you. We would have stomped you then, too. It's kind of like because wow. they did
2: it. They did. I remember that they were in the ring and they go, nah, this is your moment. And they walked out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was an emotional moment. And it was great. I, but it got I also like absolutely because in that moment, it was a baby thing to do. But as they're heels now. They reflect on it in a heelish way, right? Oh, yeah. Look, if we didn't like we did that because we would have destroyed you. Right. <laughs> and you're like, right. whoa, <laughs> right. You know, so like we wanted to give you that moment. And so we gifted you that moment because we were ready to take it away from you. And we're better than you when we would have. You wouldn't have stood a chance. Yep. We took pity on you. And you're <laughs> kind of like, oh shit. Like that was, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to give it that twist in hindsight was like, shit, maybe it wasn't that baby but You you're being about it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's awesome. It's yeah, awesome. I'm loving it. Uh Bianca versus Bailey. Yeah. Was this their best match yet? Yeah. They just keep finding a way to be better every time that they do anything. I think that I feel like Bailey is a kid in a candy shop when she gets to wrestle with Bianca, because there's just no limitations and nothing off the table. Except and I feel for like, winning. All right. That's it. I'm going to just going to cut you out. Oh, oh, wrong one. That was the opposite. Oh, this isn't all right. Episode one. Episode one. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. But yeah, I, I just think it that Bailey's so good at laying out this stuff. That she and she's also so good that as much as she's gonna support people endlessly and say they're the best in the world, this is the best in the world, no one's better than this person, and keep saying that about everybody, she damn well knows who's got limitations and where. But she also knows how to work around them. I think when she gets to Bianca, she's all like, oh. There's no there's no cracks here. Like let's just go out and do crazy cool shit. I saw a lot of people give a lot of shit to the finish. I literally said out loud, oh my god, this is a brilliant finish when it happened. I loved it. I've never seen anything like that personally, being basically crimped in the in the ladder underneath the turnbuckle. So you're fucking having to weasel out and you're getting caught up in the legs and stuff. And yeah, when you guys are fighting that much and no one's staying down that long, like how do you how do you end this, right? Like I thought it was brilliant, but that was me. A lot of people thought it was stupid. I don't understand their argument, but if you do, you could let me know about it. No,
2: know. it's no, you're right. It's it's definitely and that's fuck, man. Again, that's the thing with Bray. He's so creative, it is good, right? And anytime yep. wrestling gets creative, it is good. Yeah. Was the execution a little sloppy? Sure. Did it look like she probably could have got out? Maybe. But just like you, Bailey's never seen that shit either. She's not really sure how to get out of that. So like it was a creative finish. I just, I, I'm, I have Bianca exhaustion.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Bailey's not stupid. Yes, this Bailey character might be a little egotistical, shall mm-hmm. we say? She's been saying it from the beginning. I beat you whenever I, I beat you whenever. I. Well, then fucking beat her, <laughs> like, yeah. they fucking do it, and that's that's where my exhaustion is. got. But yeah, no, the match was awesome. It always is. And to your point, Bailey, kid in candy store. Is Bianca learning anything? Is Bianca going to take what she's learning from Bailey and take it and make it to the next step? Because I said this leading into Royal Rumble when when uh, um, Bianca won. She worked with Bailey heading all the way to Royal Rumble. She didn't come out of Royal Rumble wrestling any better after meeting up with Bailey for for all those matches. So I don't know. I I'm just exhausted from from it and honestly Bianca's mic work is still you know
0: but she's a star. She, she sounds a little star. rehearsed at times for sure, but she does sound natural in a lot of ways. I think what I find so like almost fascinating about Bianca is her fight towards a title is always incredible. When she wins a championship, it feels like such a big moment. And then everything after that feels static. It's like, and then she had the title for a while. Like, I don't know what, What it is about, like, because I feel like there's a lot of other champions where it's like, oh, and this championship reign was great. It had this match, it had that match, it had this. It was, oh, and they were fighting for this, that, and the other. But it really feels like once Bianca gets the title, it is super important, and then at the same time, doesn't matter anymore. And it's just weird. It's just like a status thing where it's like, yep, I'm just kind of the champion now. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what the disconnect is, but I feel it for sure. It's like, oh, here comes Bianca as the champ, and it doesn't feel that important. Not nearly as important as her victory was or her chase was like when she doesn't have the title and she's out there every week trying to fight for her chance to get it. You're like right behind her. You're like, yeah, do it. Right. Get it. You're the best. And then she wins it. And you're like, this is amazing. What a powerful moment. I want trading cards of this. Let's put those eight by tens up, get some signatures. You know what I mean? Like it feels massive. And then everything until she loses the title is kind of like, well, I guess, I guess we had time to kill. Right. Right, It's weird. Right. There's such a disconnect with her as a champion. And I don't think it's as simple as what Becky's always said was your, was a hero in the chase and a, and a villain in the victory. I don't think it's as simple as that, to be honest. But that's probably a big part of it. Now you're just well, holding down the rest of the division in some yeah, way, right? Yeah.
2: Well, that's, that's the art form of Becky that we're used to is, I mean, we care about Liv because of it we care about Bianca because of you know because of the Becky rub as Becky as champ um and that's again the disconnect with Liv as champ what was she doing for opponents well it was just Ronda anyway um you know I I, I don't know I don't know man Becky
0: and Bailey both felt super important as champs and somehow Bianca does not feel as important as a champion as the rest right but she doesn't feel like she shouldn't be a champion correct correct Like when she wins it's important because you're like goddamn right she's the champion. Like and then I she don't just doesn't, yeah.
2: I don't see a difference between Bianca and Liv without the title right now. The crowd will love them both when they come out. They will enjoy what they see and they will cheer them on the way out. Yeah. I don't think you're going to yearn for either one of them to be champion, but I do think Bianca plays like you said, the rise of the champion incredibly mm-hmm. well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, let's do this: the Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul main event, crown jewel, bejeweled. Was this match any good? Or saw it was on YouTube. I think. Think he live streamed a thing. I saw people complain that he was live streaming the frog splash, and I was like, "But that's why you brought him in," I thought. Right. Like, this is what he does. And it's also why he lost. And someone was all like, but it made him look kind of dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It was supposed to. And it cost him the match. Because he's kind of dumb in this particular world. He's not on the same level as Roman, who's taking it all very seriously. But it also lent to, well, if Logan Paul was perhaps a little more seasoned in the ring, he might have won if he wasn't so concerned about being flashy and getting trending and doing all that shit, if he took it seriously, hunker down, he was really close a couple of times. You know what I mean? I do. I thought it was really well done.
2: (laughs) I think this is another instance where for the, uh, the video version of this podcast can look and just read and say that I was correct again. I believe you asked me on episode one, um, do I have a problem with this match? And I laughed for about 30 seconds because I absolutely did not ever have a problem with this match. This match was going to be exactly what we just saw. I knew that from the beginning. And not only did I know that, that when it was on, I was still fucking captivated. Why? Because Roman is in that top three with Brock Lesnar at making his opponent look phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Why? Because Logan Paul's had two other matches. And you know what? He's fucking incredible athlete. He is an incredible athlete. And what does he do? Wrestling? Pretty good. Pretty good. So can he perform the moves? Can Roman make him look awesome? Yes. What does that mean? An incredible fucking match. What did we get? An incredible fucking match. And the story of it.
0: Go ahead. You remember last time what was it his match against Miz? I think it was. And I said the only issue was that Logan Paul didn't really let much breathe. He just was kind of going, to, wanted to show everything he knows how to do, and then did it all. And I was he, like, that's my only complaint. Well, it wasn't present in this match. No. He slowed the fuck down, and he did what he needed to do. He did it at the right times. Uh, Roman he, was Roman never
2: waited more than he needed to. For Logan to be in a spot like they were in sync the whole way. And to do this after being jet lagged in some way, shape, or form through travel, it's not like it was in California, you know. They did this bitch in Saudi Arabia where it was probably fucking 98 degrees. You know, they Mm -hmm. they went after it, man. They fucking went after it. I knew this match was gonna be fucking awesome. And if this kind of match doesn't give Roman Reigns props across the board in wrestling, then people just don't fucking watch. It's, it's I, incredible to put a guy in his third match on a level where, like you said, if he's not doing a selfie or live streaming, this fucking guy got a legit chance to win. The fact yeah. that you can say during the match, can he actually win this? That's how good Roman Reigns is. Yeah. Like, this is a dance they're doing here. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. And they fucking did it.
0: It was amazing, dude. It was so good. I was blown away, too. And even then, I was expecting to be really good. I was like, it's going to be great. And as I'm watching it, I was just all like, Logan is coachable as fuck.
2: Oh, yes.
0: That dude listens. Yes. Yes. Great point. Great point. Because that was my big takeaway was that every time we've seen him in there and doing stuff, it was like, okay, his first match where he tag teamed with Miz. You're like, oh, he's kind of a natural at the movements. And then the second one, it was one-on-one with the Miz. And it's like, oh, Logan's just doing everything he knows how to do. And then so like, I wonder if he can kind of hone this in, right? And then it's going to sound disrespectful, but I think that this match showed the difference between Miz and Roman more than anything. Because I think that they both were leading their matches and Miz was like, sure, let's show everybody what you can do. And Roman's all like, hey, let's tell a deep story. Yes. And I think this percent. is why Roman's on top. And I think why Miz is fucking around with Johnny.
2: (laughs) To Miz's credit, I think if he's put in position to tell the story, he can. The same way Johnny was made to wrestle against Gable. I don't think Miz is ever in position to tell that story. Maybe. Just like Johnny never wrestles. But he's called Johnny Wrestling. But when he wrestled against Gable, you're like, oh, my God, Johnny can wrestle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but I I agree with you. I agree with you. This is a vast difference in what we're watching. So when you watch the (laughs) Miz, don't watch him as Roman. Watch him as Miz because you're not going to get the same thing. But also, to your point, watch Roman like this Mm because this is what Roman's doing.
0: Yep. this is what Roman brings. And this is why Roman's who he is. Is why he's our tribal chief. The ones because
2: Johnny's the twos. <laughs> Hell yeah.
0: So I don't know. The secret of this fart gun is it doesn't, I don't, it's a randomized fart noise, right? And just always so magically is like the perfect short or long fart at the right time. So <laughs> it's, it's intuitive,
2: it understands yeah. what you need. <laughs>
0: It is. And some could argue there is no imperfect fart. And I see that. But some farts are more perfect than others. That's just the fact of the matter. Can't argue science. No. <laughs> I liked Crown Jewel being on in the middle of the day. People were complaining. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I loved it. People complain about everything anything they can think of, dude. <laughs>
2: My favorite, yeah. my favorite and worst part about the premium live events is that you can watch them whenever you want. Whenever you want. <laughs> yep. It's like, so it's, even I missed the first 30 minutes of Crown Jewel because I went grocery mm-hmm. shopping. So then I watched the entire thing, and then I had to wait like two hours afterwards to watch the other 30 minutes. And, and you know what? I did. <laughs> So I saw the whole show. Like it it wasn't that hard.
0: Should I complained? I don't understand. The other deal is you actually didn't have to the way that it works, right? So, because our power went out, we heard a loud boom, boom, boom. Floor kind of shook, and then all the power went out, and we're like, "This is interesting turn of events." We're under attack. (laughs) Fast forward about two hours, two and a half hours later, power's back on. I go over the show is over. But it still shows live, it's not showing the replay. If you uh, go to the live thing, you could just backtrack it to the last match you saw. And we did that. I just went over to it. Boom. Here's where we left off. Perfect. Keep it going. Let's play it through. And we did. It was great. So uh let's get a little raw. Did you did see uh, that they did announce that Raw 30 is gonna be coming out and they used the Raw's war logo, but put triple X and people thought that was very offensive and dirty.
2: I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> care what their fucking comments are
0: man just they, it's so it's easy so... to laugh at twitter yes. all the time because you see it and you're like that's fucking, what a what a way to feel of right. all of your options right <laughs> like i tell
2: you that the bray wyatt thing really got under my skin of people trying to predict and guess and all this shit and the over analyzing of fucking everything is like you know what Maybe it is time for me to come back consistently and talk about this shit because people just say the dumbest shit over the dumbest shit. Like weird. three X's on a logo as if they've never seen a Super Bowl logo before.
0: Yeah. Or now Roman when New Super balls. Bowl 30 happened, was it heavily pornographic?
2: Um, it was exclusively pornographic. Yeah. And it I was, imagine there was a dudes lot dudes 11 dudes. With yeah.
0: juggling each other's balls.
2: Yes. Yes, and mm. I believe there was a few interceptions, so when one had the Ooh. ball, the other one took the, took the ball away. Took someone else's ball, huh? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, who came away the winner? I 30.
2: believe it was the Cowboys.
0: Mm. Mm. Cowboy yeah. style. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, Cowboy style. Yep. Yep. And they beat the Steelers. So the Cowboys over the Steelers in a battle of balls.
0: Hmm. All right. All right. Yes. So I guess time will tell what happens in Raw is Porn. Yes. Uh, I'm going to just hit a couple of questions uh, as far as Raw went as we get Raw here at the end. It's not quite Tuesday. Wait, is it? Tuesday? It's Wednesday. It's not Wednesday. Tuesday. So Justin is out of luck on that one. Yeah. Um, the opening segment. Can we call it came was- yesterday
2: instead of come Tuesday? Can we call it came yesterday?
0: Came yesterday with Justin for sure. I know oh, that. Yeah. Like there's no doubt. <laughs> uh, the opening segment with the Usos and Solo I did think it was interesting they mentioned on 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 um, commentary that they supposedly Bloodline had not talked to Sammy since Friday and I thought that was interesting uh, note we'll see what yeah, happens with it he
2: could have been here and I know they they kind of had some words on Friday that weren't part of the story they've been telling
0: Um, Yes, but they also made a t-shirt based off of the words used on Friday that was a Bloodline shirt. So it makes me think that they can't be all that mad at each other.
2: Right. right.
0: So uh, I do have a question for you, though, here, because we did talk earlier about Usos and New Day and this back and forth and this promo and this amazing, this segment, talking all this shit. And then out of nowhere in this impassioned speech on both sides telling what it meant to them and how you talked about how much this means to them. Matt Riddle comes out to make a bunch of weed jokes. Yeah. I've said it before, I understand people love stoner humor and I get that. And I totally get why people think that Matt Riddle is funny. I felt like even if you appreciate Matt Riddle's humor, which I do not. This felt way out of place. He had no business coming out. He had no context. And even everything he was saying sounded like a ripoff of something else somebody said. And it felt really out of place and unnecessary and super forced to get to a New Day and Riddle against Usos and Solo match, which I didn't feel like I needed. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that for whatever reason, Sami Zayn wasn't there. But I feel like if Sami Zayn was here, we would have just got New Day versus Sami and Solo. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, well, we don't have Sammy, so let's not give New Day and Usos away. So let's put Riddle out there and have him make a whole bunch of shitty stoner jokes, which are probably funny to some. I think people probably went, this is so funny. And would- Or maybe it was going to come
2: that way. Well, no, because you're right, because Sammy and Solo could have lost to the New Day. But in this way, Solo uh, gets the one up on Riddle. Yeah. So, But no, I- I'm with you, because at first when he came out and said that Elias and I are starting a band... He still didn't bring up Francesca, like bring up say trombone. He didn't say trombone, right? That was the mm-hmm. whole point of talk in the woods was that like, hey, you used to play the trombone. So had they actually worked in the Francesca element, then I get the band part that he started the promo with.
0: You Which know what I mean? Still a forced angle, though. It was still forced. Correct. How do we get
2: him out there? Correct. But at least tell that story. But yep. where you're you're shoehorning in the rest of the things and. Go along with the bong stuff, and then Jimmy to go overhype with the bong when we know his DUIs is about drinking. Like it just, it, it was so disconnected for me. And I'm so, I'm not a Spicoli stoner humor guy. I am mm-hmm. Harold and Kumar stoner humor guy. Cause okay. I think that the shit you get into because you're paid too much attention to the weed is funnier than I'm so fucking high. I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, I think yes. it's a big difference. And with Riddle coming out as this character, it's such a disconnect. And I tell you, I've said this a thousand times. The tail end of RKO, Riddle is awesome. Absolutely awesome. He's not the fucking the key and throw it away because, you're no, he's focused. He's into it, all that shit. The more of this they bring out, I am completely off. It just doesn't do anything for me.
0: Yeah. And for me, the only stoner humor I can think of that I really enjoyed was like half baked because it was a comedy around the culture of weed and it showed different Mm -hmm. types of stoners and this is how they might interact. And it was a lot more nuanced in a way. Right. Yeah. A lot of dumb jokes. I'm not going to pretend it's all smart jokes. Even when
2: they went to the match, when they when Riddle announces the match. Well, you're three dudes. We're three dudes. Let's just wrestle. And it's like there wasn't even tension. There wasn't Mm -hmm. even tension. And it wasn't yeah. even they did. Usos a new day before Riddle came out. Didn't even get to the point where we're fighting. Mm-hmm. They knew the battle was happening on Friday. They didn't. Neither neither side wanted to wrestle tonight mm-hmm. or on Monday night. They wanted to speak their truth on what this moment meant. Yeah, yep. Riddle was absolutely forced it. To...
0: It was forced out of place, and I wasn't wasn't a fan. And like I've said before, once the bell rings, Riddle is incredible. Every minute before the bell rings, I have a hard time stomaching yeah. just not funny and forced. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know how that plays to everybody because yeah. I know that it's simply my opinion based strictly on my, um, my dislike for just generalized stoner humor. Like you said, I'm so stupid cause I'm stoned. Did I know that there must be a bias there in general where I just go, Oh yeah, this is more of stuff I don't find funny, but I, I've got to imagine that even people who like stoner stuff, can't like all of this and i also imagine there's a big chunk that likes that more than is wrestling even so i'm just i just kind of want to have the conversation because i'm not in on it you know and yeah, it seems like it's almost degrading as it goes it's being coming it's becoming less and less clever in every way and more and more dumb and less tongue-in-cheek and more on the nose and it's like okay so i don't know uh what do you think about Cedric Alexander, Baron Corbin, JBL, that whole segment?
2: Um, I'm losing interest in Baron Corbin, and I've been a Baron Corbin fan since the Lone Wolf in NXT. But JBL is the biggest focal point. Um, I thought Cedric Alexander still looks phenomenal as an athlete. It'd be great to see him more often. Um, But even – I've had this problem. I think I said it on episode one. When characters change or move companies or we get a shift – but the in-ring work looks too similar to what they were before. Then what am I watching? Like what oh, what are you what are you giving me? You're not giving me anything. Like Roman, he he went to the guillotine and he slowed himself down in the ring and you know, he's presenting himself as something different. Baron Corbin's not. They're just te- and his his fucking music is like this amalgamation of what the Jackpot Corbin was about. It's just it's not clicking, man. And I I fucking love Baron Corbin as a me performer, too. and it's just
0: not it's not doing it. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like the attention's getting a lot more on JBL than Corbin. I understand they're trying to have JBL put over Corbin and have Corbin get some wins on TV. I also feel like Corbin is struggling too much in a lot of these matches he's meant to win. Like, how crazy would it be is instead of coming back and having these competitive matches and getting the victory because he's outsmarting the guy, if he left for several months under the tutelage of JBL and came back and won a few matches Real quickly with the clothesline of death or whatever the fuck was called it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. Yeah, like just fucking just out of the gate and knock someone the fuck out and be like JBL said, like he's mastered that. And that maybe not be right. his new finish. It may be an additional finish that he can do.
2: Right. You know what I
0: mean? And maybe he does the end of days when when the the Larry it's not good enough when it just doesn't do it. Maybe then he gets in the end of days. Right. But establish himself is a little bit different, a little bit more vicious do a few things that JBL did. That's what I taught him. And that's why he's been away. Cause I've been getting him to perfect that. And he's even better at it than I was. And you'd be like, Oh shit. Right. Right. Yeah. And not getting that, it, I think is
2: a huge disservice. Cause even I was going to mm-hmm. say this with, um with the riddle change of character,
1: mm-hmm.
2: what audience are you going for? Like what, what pocket of audience are you missing that his change back to stoner humor is that important? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. With JBL, what audience are you trying to grasp with JBL's presence and words to gravitate towards Corbin? Because mm-hmm. it's not it's not our age group, is it the age group above us that like just love JBL so much, or the age group right below us that was really watching during ruthless aggression that actually enjoyed JBL? You know, like wh- what are you going for? Because the younger audience isn't going to give a fuck. Like if my kid is not going to hear JBL say Baron Corbin's so important that he's that important, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't yeah. That's the other thing. Because to, to your point, the tutelage, sure. If he if he brings out parts of JBL, especially the clothesline from hell, that, look, guys, this is what I showed him. And then you can mirror it to tape that JBL has. Absolutely. But that's not mm-hmm. what we're getting at all. Yeah. Or even a, a more hardcore version, right? When Bradshaw and the Acolytes and Fruke they were doing hardcore matches together. How hardcore was he? And and Baron Corbin's still not wrestling that way. He's still being his athlete. He's not being more dominant, more uh 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 powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's still, still being super athletic. Yeah. Yeah. What if they even had a thing where he was, you know, tired of playing by everybody's rules, so he wants a bunch of no rules matches and just gets real fucking vicious and does a lot of fucking gimmick matches. Trash and
2: lids on people's backs and heads and shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you get to a point where now he has to have a match with rules because people are like not having that shit. Right. Right. Just seems like you could do so much with it. And it seems like the more and more we go, the more and more JBL becomes the most important part of this. And Baron's getting a little bit lost Where I think this is meant to elevate Corbin. Yeah. He's starting to get a little bit lost in it now. And it's tough. It's tough, especially because they're not letting him talk much. You know what I mean? They're yeah. really having JBL do all the talking, which is fine but that means something's got to be different about Corbin after JBL's done talking and either he's got to start talking and being on par with JBL. So you go, Oh shit, this guy's as good as JBL. Right. Sort of like when Roman and Paul Heyman started hanging out, Paul Heyman cut a few promos, hands the mic over and you go, Oh, why, why would Roman talk? And then he cuts a promo where you go, Oh, cause he doesn't need Heyman. Right. This addition is just accoutrement. Right. Well, right, right now no, and that's, like... that
2: was the thing with, with cowboy Brock too. Because yeah. once once Heyman stepped back from both of them and then you realize how important is Roman, how important is Brock as as a speaker and they elevate each other through this promo. Can Corbin do the same thing? Uh, they're doing yeah. it with Zelina Vega and um um Santos, uh, Santos. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. we glossed over that on SmackDown. That promo was amazing. Oh, because so you're getting you're getting an essence of who everyone is because of their presentation. I think that's getting lost with Corbin.
0: And I love that Santos is doing this because I know that a lot of what Santos was doing with LDF and NXT was specifically to elevate Latin talent and make them look very similar to like how Hurt business was. Make them put them in suits. Don't give them corny gimmicks. Let them be super part of their own heritage, but also don't make them look like clowns. Make them look professional. Make them look clean cut. Make them look like an example that a young kid could look at and be like. When I grew up, I want to be like that. Right. As opposed to like the Mexi cools, which yep. a lot of people did not watch and say, I want to be like that. Right. No right. matter how good that talent was. And that talent was amazing. Right. So or even Lucha see- house party,
2: Lucha house Lucha party Lucha was, party, yeah. yeah, they were, how do we steer into luchador and make it fun as opposed to uh very important wrestlers?
0: Yep. And I, so to see them do that. So it's a good call that you brought it back. Um, uh, LDF doing that on SmackDown this way. I mean, Santos feels more important than Baron Corbin does. Yes, he does. He does. And in this moment, he probably shouldn't because he's only had like one match on the main roster. But he does because of his presentation and because Zelina's handing the mic over and you go, I know how good she is. So if she doesn't feel like she needs a stock for him. Uh, Let's see. We talked about Mia Yim. I did like earlier or in that segment how, how Seth comes out to do the open challenge. Finn comes out and you're like, he's going to answer this challenge. And then um, the OC comes out and Seth like skates away like, oh, shit. I did like all the Seth stuff because it really teased a bunch of matches that you go, oh, okay, look forward to a lot of this, you know. Yep. Um, so just a nice little addition with him. Uh, Elias and Otis was fine. It was cool. Austin Theory and Shelton Benjamin. What do you think about all this stuff? Do you want to just talk Austin theory? Hold on. Let me, Well, let's let's hold off on this.
2: Yeah. The, what was the point of Elias versus Otis?
0: I don't know. It was just a fine match. Okay. I have no idea why they were fighting.
2: It's just not like, even just the presentation, how everything went, it just felt off. Like Elias was an afterthought, but he came back to like, be a thing. You know, like I just, I don't know. I just, it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They've completely dropped the ball on Elias right away. Okay,
2: Ezekiel I, was I more important than
0: Elias, and the return of Elias was meant to be important, and it was completely overshadowed by everything they put him around. And they've is there I a mean, chance? Even,
2: is there a chance that this raw is about Austin Theory, the New Day, and the OC, and everything else was kind of like let's fill the show because mm-hmm. it it did seem like other things just honestly lacked importance. Either that other stuff was so important. Or they were trying to fill a show. Because this is coming out of Crown Jewel and Stateside. So there is a chance that we do got to breathe a bit without being overly analytical on what didn't hit.
0: Yeah. And I think that's kind of what this was. This was a little bit of a filler. I think even the idea that Riddle came out earlier mentioning Elias and all of that, and Elias was not a part of that conversation. It seems like Elias has been on the fence about even being paired with Riddle, but still continues to do it without any kind of explanation or talking. So... It's it's there's a lot that seems to be like missing with the Elias return, right? Especially coming off of Ezekiel and Kevin Owens feeling important, right? 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 All right. So, it's a miss. Speaking of swinging a miss, he doesn't even swing that guitar and he brings it out. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, we're gonna come back to the Austin Theory stuff. Miz and Johnny Gargano. I didn't care for any of this. Although it Miz one that was nice. It was bad. Like, really bad. I thought I was being too harsh on it when I was like, this is fucking awful TV that's taking way too long.
2: Yeah, it was really bad.
0: Like, I found nothing redeeming about any moment of any of their stuff. And I felt like it went on way long. He's doing that stupid remote thing. And And, and nobody cared. Nobody Nobody. cared. I was watching the audience get up and walk away and come back. And there's like, because they're like, oh, this is going to go on for way too long. Gargano gets too much TV time for not being able to carry TV time. And I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I said it before. I think Gargano is triple H's blind spot.
2: I think honestly, I think that's the first time I've actually heard you say it that way, where he gets too much TV time without carrying the TV time. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's literally what it is. Like when, when we talked about Bray Wyatt, he's so mm-hmm. captivating. He can do that shit for 30 minutes. I'm oh, like, yeah. fuck man, that was 30 minutes. But you give Gargano four and it's like, fuck, man, that was only four minutes. Uh, There has to be. It it has to grab better and it just doesn't. And he's too flippant with the lines he throws out that he's actually getting a response when I know when we know he's not like, dude, you're not getting a response. You're saying that you are or you're showing me that you are, but you're actually not.
0: Or you're pretending that you are. Correct. Correct. I can do that now. I can do that now on the show. I forgot. And when I get up and walk away, I can just let you talk. I can just walk away and you can still hear me.
2: It looks black to me though. Am I on your stream as oh, yeah. actually being something? Okay. Oh yeah. Cause I can't, oh, I can't on. see me in that.
0: <laughs> oh, you are streaming all over us.
2: Well, I don't want to stream all over you cause I nah, can't see. Might. And it looks weird. It's not Tuesday. <laughs> Plus you're, you're back now. I don't have to fucking yeah. nope. carry the show. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I could have done it in a way where people didn't know you were carrying the show.
2: That's also true. That's also. But true.
0: I did it the opposite way.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> he just fucking <laughs> left and showed people I'm carrying the show. <laughs>
0: yeah, hey, episode one. You got two discount white claws. <laughs> yeah, dude, I got two of them because they are a dollar. This one actually wasn't mango; it was lime. Oh. Yay! It's like Otter Pop, man. <laughs> I'm gonna grab Rezo a zo real quick. Yeah, carry the show. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, let me do this. Watch this. Boom. Yeah, I felt like. Yeah, they're just they're giving him too much time. None of the stuff makes any sense or matters. It's silly for no reason. They both are overacting, so a lot of the Miz's uh, ability to get heat is I think that he overacts so much. The, in contrast to the people who he's working with, uh, he looks goofy and you boo him and you're like, fuck this guy. In turn, Gargano is being equally or more than as goofy and it makes it hard for you to be all like, I, I kind of don't know who to boo. I feel like there's a, I should boo everybody right now. You know? Yet, I do think
2: The Miz actually looks out of place. Like he's trying to He's trying so He doesn't. Hard, dude. He doesn't understand that. Like, where do I fit in? When I yeah. <laughs> like, Gargano like, I thought I was the silly that. one. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like Ms. is like, well, do I still do the thing?
0: Yeah. Cheers. This is like the worst parts of Ms. Um, and Morrison.
2: Yes, but, but because the these two don't play off each other the way Ms. and Morrison did, you can honestly see how Ms. and
0: Morrison kind of worked. Yep. You know, it makes me appreciate that more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that's, I mean, I'm not going to give Enough it any more time. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Dana Brooke versus Nikki Cross. Okay. A lot here going on. Nikki Cross yeah. comes out. She's crazy. I like her crazy music. She looks like a badass. She also looks like a million bucks, best shape of her life. She's back to her in the corset, doing the laughing, doing the crazy stuff. We had Dana Brooke for the twenty four seven championship. I believe this to be the first twenty four seven segment since Triple H has taken power. Yes, of creative. I believe so of creative, too. he always had some power. Um, this was for the the twenty four seven championship. Nikki wins it. Which, by the way, Medusa is the lineal champion. No one's no one's talking about that. But Medusa won it and sold it to million dollar man. And that was it. You can't lose it by selling it. that's why million dollar man was never made. They never recognized him as a world champion because he bought it off Andre, right. but you can't win a championship that way. So linearly speaking, Medusa never lost. So she's got, she's got a claim. Uh, and speaking of Medusa, Nikki wins. She acts crazy. She acts weird. She walks off staring off into the dis- distance. Bailey's on commentary Um. Seemingly in a bad mood, largely because she lost, I'm sure. Puts 24-7 championship on Nikki's shoulder. And it balances perfectly. Walks to the back. Other stuff happens, but you go to the backstage. Nikki's walking, still looking off into the fucking weird ceiling distance. Walks by a big garbage can. Massive garbage can, by the way. Huge garbage can. One of the biggest garbage cans you can buy on the market. Nikki misses the garbage can, throws the title just outside the garbage can. This thing was like 11 foot, basically a dumpster misses it, Uh, which was also just kind of funny because I love Nikki. But then people are now speculating is at the end of the 24 seven championship. And I do think that you had an opportunity here to have Nikki win the 24 seven championship. Hold on to the title and be that crazy bitch that no one wants to face 24 seven, but is willing to fucking fight 24-7. What if she jumps on somebody and brings a ref just to beat someone up and get away with it? You know what I mean? Hey, come with me, ref. The ref comes over. Nikki wants to play. She just attacks people in the back, lays them out for three seconds, and then says it was for the 24-7 title. Not that there was ever a challenger like you could have done some crazy cool shit with that.
2: Yep. Could so you imagine? It, could you imagine Nikki doing that for like a month, right? And she has like three matches every raw, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And then
2: our truth comes up and is like, "Hey, that's that's my baby." And and but but that's okay. But that's okay, and then backs mm-hmm. off. You know? Like, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's great. I, I didn't even think about it, but you laying it out that way. I mean, that's perfect character development. The chance to do that, you know, yeah. give us a reason to, you know, to fear Nikki, to, to strengthen yeah. her character.
0: Yeah, have people run after her and then realize it's her with the title and be like, never mind. And have her be like, no, Nikki wants to play and just jump on him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. fucking cool. That'd been awesome. But they throw it away. Do you think that's the end of the twenty four seven title? Okay,
2: yeah. I, I, whether I don't know, I don't know. Sure, sure. I but think what it, w-
0: what would be the point of having the ceremony? So you so it can be one less thing to go and they never talked about that again for no reason. Triple H seems like the loose ends type. All
2: right, sure. Then it's the end of the twenty four seven title.
0: I just think it's kind of a bummer because I think that there was a lot of opportunity with it still, but if it is what it is, I don't know where you go from there. I do think that I do think that you could do something more with Dana. I think you could even bring in Medusa for an angle with it being in the garbage can. I think you could easily have turned it into a mid card title for the women. Like people have been saying they want it, even though I don't think we necessarily need one. It could have easily become that.
2: Well, that's what I originally thought was going to happen was have Nikki gain the title, be with damage control. That title changes into something else. And uh, Bailey eventually gets the title and you have a a powerful faction. Um, Instead, it's whatever this is. And that happened. But to your point, what if Akira Tozawa was inside the trash can? Yes. when, When it got thrown in. And then now we have all this going again. Because that's what we know them for, to Zawa and Truth and Reggie and Dana and Tamina. Like, it was a thing. And not for nothing, that wedding segment was pretty funny. They got married yeah. for the sake of being able to pin each other. Like, it just, yep. you know, they did it. It was It was entertainment. And yep. it was a good, it wasn't a great concept. It wasn't always fantastically executed. But there were moments where fun was had. And, you know so i think it's worth keeping around so i agree um but if it turned i thought maybe it was going to turn into women's something or other because of the presentation with damage control yeah but if it's the end whatever you know they'll figure it out they're creative enough they've already done some cool shit so
0: yeah i was kind of uh thinking that there's every possibility that um uh speaking of garbage that uh Bobby Lashley threw Mustafa Ali like a piece of garbage. He could always show up with the 24/7 title and try to make it into a thing. Um I did like that backstage business where Lashley was just beating the absolute shit out of Mustafa.
2: Ali. Yeah. It was a little too long for yeah. an open challenge because while you're oh, back there doing that, someone else can just walk the fuck out and accept the challenge.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah. But they were doing that. Bobby Lashley uh, comes out, beats the shit out of Seth to the point where they can't even have the match. The bell never rang. Austin Theory comes out. Doesn't say, I'm here to accept the open challenge. Says, I'm going to cash in my money in the bank contract for this open challenge that was never officially answered. Bobby Lashley comes back to beat the shit out of Austin Theory, too theory lands the pedigree on Seth Rollins still loses the whole match loses his money in the bank Seth Rollins still the United States champion he hit
2: the A-Town down too
0: he hit the A-Town down yep. the fact that he used the pedigree I was kind of like oh shit here we go like <laughs> why would Triple H ever book someone to kick out of the pedigree uh-huh. and then someone immediately kicked out of the pedigree and go oh, for uh-huh. fuck's
2: sake uh-huh. <laughs>
0: I've seen a lot of people back and forth on this. I still don't know how I feel about it, if I'm being honest. It's pretty shitty. It's pretty interesting. They clearly didn't want the money in the bank on theory. They clearly didn't know how to cash it in successfully anyways. Their world title picture is so fucking tightly knit right now, there was no room for a money in the bank without failing it. I thought you could easily go another 150 days or so with Theory constantly trying to cash it in and getting punked out by somebody. I thought there was every chance that Theory was going to come out at Crown Jewel and get decked by Jake Paul and laid out there too, like just constantly having getting sucker punched by people. You know what I mean? Why not? Right. Fuck it. To have someone cash it in on the U.S. Championship and lose. Charlotte already cashed in on the NXT title and it was stupid. People constantly being like, Oh, that, that person's in a tag team. They should cash it on the tag team champions. That would be new and fresh. And I was like, but it also be stupid. I know that there were people who were defending this saying like, Hey, it doesn't guarantee you a title. It guarantees you a title shot. It's not that big a deal. It's not that serious, but it is because I mean, it is, but it isn't. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not that serious, but <laughs> well, <laughs> the reason it's meaningful is because it was the kind of thing that changed the career trajectory, except pronounced correctly, right? of Edge, CM Punk, and Daniel Bryan. And people remember those things because they were always the guys that would never be able to do it. The Miz, too. These were all guys who would never be able to hold a world title. They're not that guy. This allowed the fan favorites or the people who were maybe underappreciated the opportunity. Seth too. Seth too. Yeah, they still talk about Seth's cash in all the time. Yeah. Changed mm-hmm. his his whole fucking career. Mm-hmm. To have a number of people fail at different times makes sense. To have someone be dumb enough to cash it in on a United States championship that he already had before, to cash it in for a lesser-than title and also lose it just seems so weird. It absolutely undervalues the concept of the money in the bank.
2: So I'll I'll say this. Number one, the only problem I had was that he did it for an open challenge. Yeah, that was a big problem. That's that that's the biggest point of contention I have. Every other thing I have zero problem with. Because you, you laid it out there. There's there's an impossible task called Roman Reigns as the champion. Yeah. So what do you do? You come up with a creative way to take it off of him. What was the first thing? Oh, he's going to lose this to Johnny. Did anybody want that shit to happen? No, no. because nobody's believable to go against Roman, even on a cash-in. Yeah. So what, how do we get this off of him? What's the most creative way we can do it? Okay. Him cashing in for the U.S. title, I don't have a problem with. I was one of those guys. When Otis got money in the bank on accident, what was the best thing he could have done? Cash in with Tucker for the tag team because the fucking money in the bank fell into his lap. He's not going to win the world title. I believe Braun Strowman and uh, Drew McIntyre were champions at the time. So he's not going to win that title. He can help out Tucker let's go get these tag titles because look what I actually won. You know, like yeah. there's a you chance can tell that story that. for sure. Yeah. You can do the importance of can, a team. Yes. And you can use the money in the bank to get there. Even if Austin theory, to your point goes to cash in on Roman so many times and can't even get there. He can say on a microphone, dude, every time I go after universal and fucking heavyweight titles, I'm getting my ass kicked. I need to figure out something else to do with this. And you can do that. So, Number one, there's no such thing as devaluing money in the bank. <laughs> it's, it's a prop in wrestling. You can use it for whatever you want to use it with. You can tell any story you want with that, that option. It's always for a title. So again, when, it, when Edge won Royal Rumble and he went to challenge Finn Balor or say that Finn Balor was a, an opportunity to, to face as a champion in WWE and NXT, I was like, this is fucking amazing. Let's do it. If you can tell the story correctly. So if you use Money in the Bank to tell the story on why it's important to cash in on the thing, then that's the vehicle to get you invested. The surprise cash in for the champion to trajectory a career said properly, then okay, that's part of it. That's part of what Money in Bank has been used for. We're so full of wrestling talent. You don't need it. You don't need money in the bank to get a new star to the next level. Cause even my Seth point, you talk about the cash in, but he wasn't solidified until years later. Cause when he was, when he beat Brock twice, nobody fucking cared. It was after that, that now everyone's behind him.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was a world champion a number of times before even the Brock stuff. And the idea was that, that it was established as a vehicle to elevate people. And if you continuously show that it, doesn't elevate nearly like it used to, it devalues the importance of the win. Cause now someone wins it. You can easily go, well, who's who knows who cares? Because at the same time, when you saw before someone would win it, like when Corbin won it, everyone, we were all kind of like, holy shit, Corbin might become the world champion. Where now, you know, Otis won it and everyone goes, well, he's not gonna be the world champion. I wonder how they're going to get out of it. It devalues it because depending on who wins it, you already can see that, well, they 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 aren't bought in as a company of making sure that it means something. So if you see them book themselves into a corner, you immediately deflate on the importance of it. Each win could be more important than a different win, but depending on who wins, absolutely will make you care or not immediately. Now the next person who wins, let's say Johnny wins it this year. You go, oh, I wonder how they'll get out of that. Right. It's not it's not like it used to be where when Daniel Bryan won it, when CM Punk won it, you went, Oh my God, this guy could legitimately become the world champion. And that's what I've been wanting. I you get I mean? that.
2: I get that. No, I get that. And I, but I do think that comes from, I do think that comes from a, a lack of depth in who can be champion. Like we have a mid card scene that is former champions. Yep. Like, you know, so like, at a moment's notice, Kevin Owens doesn't need Money in the Bank. Put him in a fucking yeah. title match, and I hope he wins. You know, And if yeah. he gets Money in the Bank, to your point, that's supposed to solidify the fact that he's getting that title. But now when you put people in Money in the Bank ladder matches, it's not people who can be champion down the line for the first time. It's former champions. That's how deep the talent pool is. So I do think it's a little convoluted that way. Um, but I do think it's something that I think you brought up on – or maybe I brought up on episode one, that uh, Austin Theory is a Vince guy. He's not a not a Triple H guy. And I think that solidified that, you know, this is a completely new direction for what Austin Theory is going to happen. But I also think there's a little bit of opposite to that because didn't Triple H bring Austin Theory into
0: NXT first? Yep. If it wasn't for Triple H, Vince would have never seen Austin Theory. Right. Austin, uh, Triple H brought in Austin Theory, paired him up with Gargano to ruin him I guess I don't know I wonder if there was like a bitterness in that like you ruined the Austin theory that I created it's possible because he he wasn't the fucking comedy lackey to Gargano which then goes back to the Gargano blind spot where I wonder if they were like no look at this Gargano guy look at this Gargano guy and Vince is all like look at that theory guy and he goes no 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 he's just a lackey Mm. and Vince is like "No, no no he's the next big thing and i wonder if that's where some of this comes from
2: my overall point though that i was going to get at this is the best way to take it off of him i don't think there was any other way to do it i did want to tell you how i would have done it no because i'm not done yet okay but finish. i think <laughs> i think <laughs> <laughs> i think having him look for an opportunistic chance to uh, be a weasel and cash in that yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it works yeah you fuck me me no i think i mean it was the he he found the perfect moment to do it and and failed Mm -hmm. you know and it was the only moment that really presented itself where he could win and he failed i thought it was just a
0: great way to get it off of how i would have done it's because you're going to make him look stupid either way this way was particularly stupid because it's He tried to cash in on Seth and Bobby Lashley in the middle of them fighting after we just saw Bobby Lashley beat the absolute shit of Brock Lesnar. So, theory's going to look dumb either way. This is what we're doing. He looks dumb here. My way, he also would have looked dumb, but it had been a lot more entertaining to me. I think you keep (laughs) it on him for the full year and have him fail to cash it in within a year and then strip him of it.
2: Oh, how great would it be? (laughs) Yeah, the first person who never...
0: just try to enter trying. money in the bank again to get two of them. <laughs> so you get yeah. two opportunities. Like, no, yeah, dude, he tries to get what back. He cancels out. <laughs> yeah, no, you that's it. You're done. You don't, you, you didn't do it in time. Like even have him try to cash in, like say the world title match is the first match of the money in the bank pay-per-view and have him run out. Be like, oh my God, it's the final seconds to do it. And fucking again, someone just knocks them out. <laughs> and you're like, fuck. And then that match ends and then a little clock pops up. and <clears throat> That's fine. See funny. Adam Pierce come out, grab the fucking thing, and said, "We're gonna need this for later." I can grab it, I can match it up and send it up. You know, that's fine. And then have yeah. have Theory be the first person to never successfully cash it in, just based off of time, and right. everyone punking him out. He would have looked kind of dumb, but he would look like he was trying and kept getting fooled. Like, could easily fair. had him. He could have slipped on a literal banana peel on the way out to cash in the last one. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. But. That's a good one. If you're gonna make him look dumb, make him look dumb and be funny about it. This made him look dumb and wasn't even that funny. Even people who watched it who don't like Austin Theory were all like, "Well, good," but no one was like cheering. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, right? It it just seemed weird to me, man. I get it. I wonder what we're gonna see with Theory. What a fucking whirlwind! If you're Austin Theory, the past two years of your life, fucking insane. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yep.
2: Yep. Three, even. Three, even, because he was called up for the WrestleMania Performance Center. That's true. You know? And, yeah. and then had to do like a whole fucking, or even four, right? Because when he came over from Evolve, like it just, it really has just been a fucking roller coaster where he's on top, he's down, he's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. He's all yeah. over the place.
0: I think he's had it worse than most just because of the clear yo yo that's been his right. career. Right. <laughs> And he's like 24. He's gotta right. be like this Without is what the rest of the business is like? Right.
2: <laughs> Without getting <laughs> released, he's been all over the fucking place.
0: <laughs> yeah. you have people getting released being like, Oh, you don't understand the highs and lows. And Austin Theory's like, you don't understand <laughs> the highs <Right>. and lows.
2: <laughs> you yeah. ever make it and then not make it, but make it, and then really not yeah. make it, but then make it again? And then like all of a sudden, I'm not fucking making it anymore. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah.
0: What did I do wrong? um yeah that was uh that was this week man i think that i do think that a lot happened on raw that was impactful and i felt like last week's raw was static yeah so it was kind of nice that right after crown he did a whole bunch of stuff i do think that the, that bobby Lashley coming out and beating the absolute shit out of ali was a statement as well um not against ali but for bobby we're gonna have this vicious side of bobby i'm so excited for it do i don't you think know he gets leads. the
2: u.s title back
0: I don't know. I guess he would have to because, like you said, the world title picture seems a little tightly knit right now. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation and I think possibility, especially with the Shelton Benjamin promo uh, that he did on the Raw exclusive Raw Talk afterwards, and the the challenging that Austin Theory gave him to begin with, and Cedric coming out here too and losing that. There's a lot of speculation that they might try to reform the Hurt business. I think I'd be okay with that too. Like I think that even though like they did their way to, to work themselves out of it. I think we all can forgive and move on.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, to have all three of them wrestle on Monday, um, you know, adjacently to each other, I think is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Reminded us all how good all of them are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's that. Anything else? You ready for last call? Um, I'm good, man.
2: I'm good. I had a, another good time. I was surprised we got through all three shows in, uh, less than five hours, but we did yeah, it. We did. We did it. We did a good job on that one. You know what? We, N- mm. No alcohol. I mean, well, you got white claws, but you know, same thing. Yeah, no, that's pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, dude. Uh, I think it was great. I'm glad you came back for it. We'll see what's going on. Uh, as we go tomorrow night, we got a brand new episode one here in the dive bar. Uh, apart from that, you want to tell people where they can find you? At
2: TWTakes Podcast on Twitter. TWTakesPodcast.com for all platforms. And, you know, like I say, eventually I'll be back on a consistent basis, but fuck it. I'll just come on here instead.
0: Yeah, You can just start putting out my episodes on your platform. I don't care. Well, I've rip done it. that
2: before, but, you know. I know, it's funny. Let, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you rip it.
0: Yeah. Cue the far gun. <laughs> Such a good gun. This is one of the greatest investments I've ever made in my life.
2: I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah.
0: Easily the happiest day of my life was when that came into my life. <laughs> she can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> uh Guys, thank you for coming through, being our drinking buddy tonight. Thank you for blowing up the chat a little bit here. Uh, I'm going to be back tomorrow night, talk AEW and NXT. I haven't even watched him yet. If I'm honest, I don't know what happened. I didn't see anybody talking about anything from it. Tonight's the new AEW, right? I don't know. Oh, I'll Google it. I'll find out. Maybe I'll be
2: watching the Mass Singer.
0: I'm gonna go out to have pizza with my family. So even better. How's Masked Singer been? Who's your favorite? Who's your it's favorite decent.
2: Um, honestly, I really haven't been watching. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they did. They've done it differently this year, where they have a, a king or queen per episode. So yeah. it's it's. Um, it's not like seven that get whittled down to one. It's a group of three, and then there's two unmasking, and then a group of three and two unmasking, a group of three and two unmasking. Um, huh. So it's, it's been a cool concept, I and mean, you see a lot of fucking people. So, um, yeah, it's been That's cool.
0: That's cool. And I saw they were doing something with the Muppets. That always gets me excited. Yep, we haven't watched yep. since the turtle got screwed. Mm, yep. The yep. great turtle incident yep. where they screwed the turtle.
2: Jesse McCartney, right?
0: Jesse McCartney.
2: Yep, he was phenomenal that
0: year. Amazing. So fucking good. So Got good. Got us choked up every yeah. time he went out there. Yep. Robbed. Yep. Absolutely robbed. Yep. And we've been having we've been protesting ever since.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah.
0: For more of that compelling content, guys. <laughs> me and Miss Amanda Jane will be back tomorrow night right here in the die bar of the IWC. Guys, that's what that's called. Cheers.
1: Hey, producing lady here. Thanks for tuning in. Continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the I and subscribe on Twitch. Or subscribe and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Cheers. I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks.